Hello, listeners. Welcome. To, this is the Uncensored Anime Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is David. We have Kenny and we have Jerry. And today we have a lot of fun things that we're going to be talking about. First off, some discussion points that Jerry wants to open up for us to just have, you know, just a fun discussion. And then we're going to be getting into our two shows of the week, which are Copcraft and A Silent Voice, um, a series and a movie. So we hope you're all excited for that. Um, and so, Jerry, why don't we get started? Let's knock it off, boys. So, okay, before we <laughs> jump too deep, obviously we got to go back to our favorite. It's like our favorite recurring point at this point. Burn the Witch, right? I don't know why, but we just keep bringing it up. It's important to us because we all love Kubo. Um, so David brought it to our attention. David, give us the it, news. What's the... Huh? Wait, it's actually really similar to... Nope, nope, nope. Too early. No, too not, early, not, too not, early. not yet. Not yet too but early. maybe, but maybe. So, it might so, be really similar. Okay. I got some news for y'all, um, beautiful listeners out there. So, by the way, um, today is September 20th. Um, so, just to give you guys a, a little peek into the future, Burn the Witch, the animated movie, will be dropping October 1st, 5 p.m. Pacific time. That is less than four, two weeks from today. Yep. That we will be watching Burn the Witch in our homes. Mm-hmm. Are you boys excited for that? We are I am excited. excited. I think it's crazy uh, that uh, they just dropped the last chapter, what, what, two weeks ago or something? A week or two ago? Last yeah. Week. I think yeah, it was so, last week. So, I mean, there's only five chapters of content. They're a little, they're pretty good size, though. Um, yeah. So, I think it'll make a good, just like film, anime movie. I- I'd be surprised yeah. if the runtime is a full two hours, though. I bet it'll be like hour 40, hour 30, something like that. I can't even imagine it's going to be a full two hours. But I'm still. Do you think they're going to sprinkle in any kind of like. Hints? Like any. Uh, like sneaks or like hints for what to, what's to come. I think so. Oh yeah, I think, I think that so too. they're too. Kubo's being too shitty. Okay, mm. he knows that he knows that we're in. He knows that we're all in, and so he's just he's like, just like uh, eh, maybe I'll make some more manga. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll keep yeah. right. We'll see how this movie does. Like yeah, I do wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna do, like deviate from the plot of the manga. I'm just curious how much. Because there's no way they this manga or this anime film probably was being produced a long like long before these chapters got released to the public. I know we've kind of talked that about that before, so I'm really curious: is it going to follow the manga to a T? Did Kubo give them the script ahead of time? Did he give them early versions of the manga ahead of time? If so, how much? How clearly? Um, and maybe if not, what are going to be some of the deviations or like you know maybe they he only gave them a script uh, a year ago and said you know have fun, just copy my style from the one shot I did. I, I don't know. So I'm really curious right. what direction they're going to take the film. Cause they could go a lot of ways with it. So I really am excited. It, it's a new fun shonen. I mean, it's a new fun thing to just like, I don't know, just the return. It feels like bleach, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it does a lot like bleach. huh? I, I mean, know. it's basically English bleach. Yeah. So. Or London Bleach. And we love Bleach. So. Everyone loves Bleach, right? Bleach is still good, Everyone right? Loves right, guys? Bleach Everybody is loves still bleach. good. Yep. It definitely um, ended it, you know. An interesting thing about it that I didn't even notice, but Jerry mentioned earlier before we started the episode, was that this is being produced and animated by Studio Colorido, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I'm looking at their Wikipedia page, and they have done... Uh, they did a Pokemon movie. Yeah. Which I think I think that one was good. I think a lot of people like Pokemon it. Twilight that. Wings. Yeah, that well received. Which oh, that was a movie from this year. Yeah, pretty recent. Yeah. Oh. So I think I, it so. Was, yeah. 
It could be anything. Yeah, I mean, Colorado, we yeah. don't know a ton, ton about them, so this could go any direction. The trailer looks pretty, though. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on YouTube. The trailer yeah. looks really nice. looks good. Yeah, looks really the clean. The trailer looks really good, so I hope that it comes out good um, and looks nice and, and uh, adapts Kubo's art style well because he just has such a unique and vibrant style, especially when it comes to, like, um, clothing and, and the way he designs clothing, especially, mm. but... So that's rock and roll. I'm excited for Burn the Witch. You guys should be too. If you haven't read it, go read it. If you haven't, or if not, be excited for the film in a couple weeks. I think it's coming straight to Crunchyroll. Am I wrong? Yep. Yep. Straight yeah. to Crunchyroll, 5 p.m. Virtual, Pacific time, October 1st. Virtual release. That's so interesting also that it's just going to be a yeah. virtual simulcasted film. That's really unique. Yeah. Um, so, but, I mean, you know, blame the pandemic. Um, that's the time we live in. Yeah, that's just the way we live. Yep. Um yeah, really excited. Do you guys think this would be like in theaters if there wasn't a pandemic going on? Oh yeah, I think so. Maybe not in America. Maybe in America. I don't freaking know. We might. Yeah, we might get a day or something. Yeah, a like Wednesday a and a special day, day release or something. But I bet in Japan, yeah, it, yeah. It could probably get a full run in Japan. I can't imagine it wouldn't, yeah. unless it was just that. And I, other, the other film studio Colorado have done have had uh, film releases, so like I don't see theatrical why. releases. Yeah. yeah, so I don't see why they wouldn't run this one as well. Um. Okay, cool. All right. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. No, we're just. This is the, welcome back to the Burn the Witch podcast. No, <laughs> but we talk about Burn the Witch just as much, just as much as we talk about um, Kenny. What was it? Yeah. What's the other, uh, what's the other show we bring up? Kenny. Um, I don't know, man. I'm. I can't remember. It's kind of slipping my mind a little bit. About. How about this? Let's just put it on the table right now. If our YouTube channel, the Uncensored Anime Podcast ever gets a thousand subscribers if we get a thousand subscribers i'm setting the bar high if we get a thousand subscribers david kinney and i will go live we will do a live review of vampire night we'll go live on youtube and do a review we'll watch all of vampire night we'll do a live review of vampire night um if we ever get a thousand subscribers a thousand though i will go i'm pitching it i'm throwing it out there right right now prior prior to our live podcast review i will watch all of vampire night live on camera for everybody to see <laughs> can you live in marathon style of vampire night yeah is that a I, is that a prize or is that like a like a it's a punishment like, I think. thanks I for know. supporting us here's some can shit be like here's shit vampire Fuck. night vampire night <laughs> Vampires like each other. Ah. Um, serious. If, I'm, just, I'm just gonna buy this Vampire Night shirt. Fuck it. I'm yeah. Do it. it. Yeah. Do it. Down do. We are the Vampire Night shirt. We are the Vampire oh Night podcast. Actually, no. um, so the one thing I really wanted to chat about tonight that I thought would be just fun to to talk about because it's been on my mind a little bit today, and I was like, oh, this could be a fun just topic, right? Uh, anime openings and ending songs. Okay, they are so iconic. Even in the West, we all know the anime opening and intro. I'd say people that don't even know much about anime know that for some reason, all anime series have a minute and a half long, full-blown action sequence. Uh, you know, like, it's almost like a trailer for the show with a fully produced song that's just for that TV show, right? You know, American mm-hmm. sitcoms have something like it, kind of, sometimes 30 seconds long, though. Maybe not vocals, things like that. But anime show they always have, you know, these mega bops for their intros and they have a pretty storied history in, in anime in that, like they've been doing this for 40, 50 years. Like it comes, there's a, uh, it goes all the way back. Right. And, uh, if you don't know much about like the history of anime, some of it is drawn from Disney cartoons, right? The, the reason why anime characters used to be drawn with like really big eyes and still are to this day, really, um, actually mm-hmm. comes from the OG Disney cartoons, so on and so forth. 
So, but there doesn't seem to be any precedence uh, for anime openings and ending songs in like the main, like if you go back, like there's, there doesn't seem to be like a major precedence for there to be a minute and a half, like freaking blast of a song designed for the show. So it just sort of happened and it's just a part of the culture, right? Every show has it. You get excited for it. It's kind of your way to, I feel like anytime I want to watch a new anime, I'll go watch the opening song to see if I want to get stoked on it or I'll watch through the, fir- through the opening on the first episode. Um, it feels like a trailer and an exciting part of it. Um, so I thought it'd be great if us boys talked a little about anime openings. Anime openings, anime endings, that kind of stuff. Um, what are our favorites? Yep. Who are some of the bands that stand out to us? Um, I think all of us are big fans of music in general, um, especially yep. anime music. So I think just taking some time to to highlight a couple of our solid choices. What do you guys think? What what's what when you think anime openings, who who do you go to? Who are your who are your go tos? What are your go tos? So so before we start the discussion, we, we can't have this discussion without mentioning Tank from Cowboy Bebop. Probably one of the most legendary anime openings. Um, which is by I want and, to say what's the name of the band? The seat is it the seat belts? Seat belts. Yeah. No, that the real folk blues is by the seat belts. Oh, Wait, geez. do they also no, make no, tank? Seat belts is tank. Seat belts is tank. Oh shit! Okay. Real, real folk blues is also it's, it's real folk blues. How about your ending? Is also an amazing. It's Seat Belts and Yoko Kano. That's the the lady, you know, mm. uh, that's on the, the vocals. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cowboy Bebop just mm. musically overall is just amazing. Right. Um, as well as Sam Samurai Shampoo, Battle Cry is a fucking mm-hmm. bop. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, any opening ending from the OG shown in Big Three, so like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, mm-hmm. like all of those songs were. I don't think I've I've heard an opening or ending from those shows and didn't like it. Right after um, After Dark, fucking Alone, oh, Asterisk, God. obviously. I think that Bleach stands out to me as like the more musically inclined show. It's the show that I think yeah. had better music than the other two. Uh, Naruto has a couple bops. One Piece... Yeah, of the three, it would go Bleach, One Piece, Naruto. Yes, I think that's my exact ranking as well. But I think right. that no, all three of them are known for just having a lot of really solid opening and ending songs that are sort of iconic at this point. I mean, think about the uh, the one Naruto opening song that everybody knows now. Um, Jesus, how do uh, Son... Oh, is like that. Him, oh, no. no, 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 not that one. Which one? Oh, There's so one many. Uh, so, uh, Bluebird. Wait, is it is it Shippuden or Naruto? It's from like Shippuden. original Naruto. It's from Shippuden. Um, <laughs> I can't even is think that, of what it's called. Da, 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 dee, da, da. No, that's no, no, is it that one? No, no, no. I got Bluebird. You guys are killing me. The come on, Jerry. Come on, Jerry. All, all, it's just a portion of us mumbling through anime. Okay, okay it's the one that's like. Oh, that one. That was a really, really good one. Is that one the most famous? The only reason I want to say that it is, is that it it got used by Frank's anime intro. And so it got millions and millions of views from that. And now it's kind of the, like, it's like the go-to when, like, someone's making, like, a parody anime intro. It's like the go-to parody intro song. Yeah. I think that that's like there's you know there's like silly like political anime intros that use that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to. There's say- random YouTubers I've seen that use that as right. like the anime song. It's like the anime song now. It's like the yeah. this generations like when there's like a anime song you're trying to come up with. That's the one they go to. Um, and I think it's iconic. I think it really is. Like the more that I listen to it, yeah, I'm it's like, a great it's, song. It's a great. It's a good opening. They did a good job with it. Yeah, but I do think Bleach is the is the outlier, and I think that they have 
sort of spinoff. There's a cut. Okay. The first band I want to talk about from anime intros is Overworld. Do you guys know what Overworld is? Yep. Uh, is that Death Note? No. So yeah, they do, first, they, do, they do. The first. Well, they might have done Death Note. I don't know. But they the do first, Death Note opening two. The first opening two. Yeah. Anime okay. song they ever did. Their first Annie song was D Techno Life, the second opening to Bleach. Um, which yeah. is a really solid opening, right? You know, it's like. Um, and that was back in like 04 or something. Wait, like, you were just mumbling. You were just saying the words. Sorry, I actually know the lyrics. You, you know the lyrics. I've heard it a couple <laughs> times. Um, but I, I started thinking about Overworld and how um, their career... I don't know much about them prior. I don't know much about them. I know that they've continued to do a lot of anime intros. They did a Seven Deadly Sins intro. They did a My Hero intro. Um, yeah, they did Peace Sign, right? Um, for my hero, what's that? Is that for my hero? Oh shit! Is that that's the my hero one? Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. A, a very yeah, they have a very popular. Wait, that's the same. It's yeah, the same that, band. That's crazy. It's the same band. That's and crazy. They had another. They had a couple other really successful anime intros. But I'm just curious, like you know, when, from our perspective as anime fans, like we see Overworld as just an anime band. I don't know what much about their external music. I don't know how popular mm-hmm. they are in Japan. Honestly, no idea. Mm. What I do know is that they are like the master of the anime intro like you could pull them in to do any freaking shonen and they'd probably pull out a bop dude like just seeing all, yeah. the, all the bops that they've done for anime music i'm like yeah like overworld they're top tier like if i hear overworlds on a on a show yeah then i'm i'm ready for it or two other ones asian kung fu generation or uh flow uh listen yeah, colors by colors by flow is flow did, is that a, um, is that a shipping opening yeah, no, that's uh, that's no, Code Geass. It's Code Geass, but you're right. Flo did a sheep in an opening too, dude. They did. They did uh, opening four for the original, and they did. Oh yeah, they did an opening for the first show. They did. Yeah, uh, they did. Go, go, yeah. Oh no! Oh wait, was it not Fighting Dreamers? We are Fighting Dreamers. Oh, they did Fighting Dreamers. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. But they did colors, okay? And let me tell you, that song, that song, that one gets me hype, okay? No, I listen oh, to wait, oh, wait. It's hype. Have we, we also can't forget, and I'm biased because Black Lagoon's one of my favorite animes, but the, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm so... Are talking about the first intro to Black Lagoon? Yeah, it, it's saying by, I had that song in my playlist forever when I was younger. I uh, actually know what it is, too, and I think... It, I, Mel, it was uh, Red Fraction. Yes, I by know Mel. the song on the top of my head, but I'm like... And that song... So, Red Fraction by Mel. If you listeners have not heard that song, you need to... Just you just Google Black Lagoon opening cinematic and just listen to it and watch it. It's pretty solid. It's actually. amazing. It's amazing. For me, so for me, generally, openers and, and endings, like, even though it's like the same song from episode to episode, usually like in an arc or within a season, yep. it's the same opening. It gets wow. me like hyped up and like excited to watch the show. Mm-hmm. So for me, if an opening is shit, it, I kind of like go into watching the show in a not in a bad mood, but I'm like, I'm like, eh. And that's like the same feeling I had with Log Horizon, which we discussed in our last pre- in our previous episode. Log Horizon's opening was shit, and then I mean, there's database, lots of things. Database. <laughs> there's a lot of other things wrong with Log Horizon, but that that song going into a not well done show, in in my opinion. Is just just going lower and lower and lower into the ground of just like mm-hmm. just badness. So yeah. you know, watching something and like the opening is good and the show might be meh, I'll still 
continue happily watching the show because I'm going to listen and watch the opening. Yeah. So it an opening is is a very strong tool. Endings, I mean, they're easily skippable, even if they are really good. I yeah. treat them the same as openers. Like if I like the song, I'll just watch. I'll listen to the ending all the way through. Yeah. Um, I think the, my favorite ending songs actually come from Bleach. I think Bleach has some of the best mm-hmm. ending songs. They've got a couple. Happy of people. Uh, simple, uh, the homemade first, Kazaku. The first, yeah, the first uh, yeah. song oh, is yeah. Bleach that goes like, nobody knows who I really am. Oh, life is like a boat. I never oh, felt this empty before. Uh, that that song is like ingrained in my brain. It's like when I think of anime, like that song feels just like a big anime song to me. It's crazy. I was looking up Mel David just now. Her most popular song ever is Red Fraction. She's never produced another song that has um, met the level of popularity as that song, which is wild. I mean, that song is really fucking good. It's, it's, just it's a really good. Interesting to think that her career both started because it was like one of her first singles ever and essentially ended mm-hmm. with that song. She has not been able to match. <laughs> and I just feel bad for her because she's a good singer. She actually has done oh, yeah. openings for Hayate the Combat Butler, Rideback, Shakugan no Shana, and Sky Girls, which I've actually not seen any of those shows. Um, but of all those shows, I mean, so she continued to do anime music, but it just doesn't seem like she's been able to kick her career back off. And it seems like she's mostly retired at this point or, or pretty much done. Um, and that yeah. happens. I'm sure that, that happens to a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, people that get into the industry. They, they're doing an anime song and that's kind of it for them. You know, they do one or two and then they, they don't really do much else, which I've found that to be a thing. But I think there's two other people that I want to talk about that sort of established to me, at least in my mind, what an Annie song is, right? And I think that that's Hironobu Kageyama, who is the vocalist that sings Chala from Dragon Ball Z. And I think that no matter who you are in the anime community, if you don't know Chala Head Chala, like that is one of those things that like you have to you have to go listen to, okay, right? Hold on, come Sorry. on, David. Hold it's on. like Chala Head Chala. I'm just gonna listen to this as I'm on the podcast. You know, he's crazy because he's got these huge vocals. Hironobu Kageyama, and he went on to do... I mean, he has just done an insane number uh, of anime songs. And I'm talking just an absurd amount. Kageyama, and, and it's always like those very hype, old, you know, 90s type of songs. There's just so much going on with Kageyama. I think he's got the vocals. He's just crazy. I, I would love to see someone like Kageyama in in concert. I think he's just crazy. He, I mean, he's much older. He's almost 60 now. But that's the type of person that when I think established the anime song genre, he's a big part of it. And I think another person who is not as iconic maybe, but I think that he kind of embodies uh, the Annie song or like the anime song um, is Hiroshi Kitadani, who is the vocalist that sings We Are from One Piece. Um, And I think that that's another song that is very much like establishing of the genre of anime songs, right? Like, you know, we are on the cruise. We are, you know, it's just very, it's designed for That's the like show. One Piece's theme. Yeah, it's designed yeah. for One Piece. It was made for One Piece. And it makes you feel like you're watching One Piece, you know? Like, you are so ready for a One Piece thing to happen. And um, he's done some other anime songs. I'm not sure what all he has done over the years for anime. But I know he has come back and done some more songs for One Piece. I believe he did We Can and Over the Top, which are both uh, really bop level um just bop level of anime songs recent anime songs but i think both of them have sort of just established the genre uh what is the annie song what does that look like uh and in some ways just established like j-pop i don't know i feel like when i listen to other j-pop 
it does seem like there's some influence from the Annie song genre. Like I think that, or, or it's the other way around. Anime songs are influenced by J-pop and that's probably m- more mm. the correct answer. But for me, yeah. it feels like the other way. Cause all I know about J-pop comes from anime songs first and foremost, which is weird. Um, yeah. So I don't know if, what that means for me, but yeah, I love, I love everyone. We mentioned, you know, Uberworld, flow, uh, uh, Mel, um, you know, all these iconic people that have just done so many crazy, and, and I just don't think there's an equivalent in America. Like, can you guys think of anything that's like someone gets famous or like gets an opportunity to do music because they got their song on the front of an anime show? Like, that feels no, no, yeah, like there's I, not. I was, I was thinking about this of like, what if America had, or like just Western audiences had the same thing where they like had you know, Western created cartoons and the opening song was like a fucking Kanye song or something like that. Like what that would kind of be like our equivalent. And when I think of that, like that's weird, but then it's the exact same thing that's happening. Anime. What about, Um, what about this as a, let's think of the only one. This is my only American equivalent. All star by smash mouth. Uh, (laughs) Think about it. Smash mouth. Wasn't a big band. They get their song on the front of Shrek. Fucking Shrek. Shrek. Animated movie. And that's that's Shrek's, oh, okay. that's Shrek's okay. intro song, right? I thought you were memeing, but no. that's actually a really good t- it's comparison. It's an example, right? That's Shrek's it's, intro that's great, music. Yeah. And Smash Mouth. Yeah. Oh, did Smash Mouth become a huge famous uh, band? No. Not really. But that, that song oh, no. become iconic? But like that put them on a map. Put them on a map. Way on the map. I mean, like, yeah. that's the only reason they were able to... Pro- I, I, they still make music, by the way, which is weird. But yeah, they do. Thinking, they tour. Like, yeah. yeah. And nowadays... It's like their only good song, I think. Yeah, nowadays, though... I've listened to a few. It's the reverse, right? So, like, most cartoon movies in America don't take a risk by putting a new artist on the map. They instead implore... Or they employ a an incredibly famous artist to actually boost the profile of their movie. Thinking about yep. Spider-Verse, right? Pulling in Post Malone mm-hmm. and... Uh, Jeez, who's the kid on Sunflower? Swaley. Swaley. Swaley, yeah. Swaley and Post Malone to do the theme for Spider-Man. Um, I can't think of any others. I already hit a wall. I feel like there was another cartoon movie that had... You know what I mean, though? Um, oh, yeah, there's Trolls. Trolls, trolls movies yeah, had. Troll. And a kid um, Justin Timberlake made movie or yeah. made songs for Trolls. Um, yep. And Happy was for... Was that for Minions? It was. Yep, Happy from Fall yeah. was for Minions. Thank you, yeah. David. You, you saved my ass. There. Okay. I, was like, I felt like there was... I knew there was other examples, but my brain, like... Um, yeah, but no, yeah. But I, I think they're, they're most mainly mainly for movies. I think, but for thinking TV of like shows. just TV shows, it's yeah. not common at all. Uh, right. I can't even think of a. I'm trying to think like if there's anything. I mean, like they're obviously catchy and iconic, like American cartoon theme songs. Like uh, one that's been in my head all week is the Danny Phantom theme song. You know, like, yo, Danny Phantom, he was just 14 when his parents built a very strange machine. It's just like, it's an iconic theme song. Fairly Odd Parents, the, yeah, also iconic. Parents, but it didn't help put the band or the musical artist on the map or really give yeah. them much exposure. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you who the artists that created those songs were. I know that the guy who sings the first Pokemon theme song in America, which is an anime, I get it. But, you know, we changed the theme completely for America. The American singer, yeah. he, he doesn't really do anything. He's just, you know, I've seen him do like weird videos like where's the pokemon singer 20 years later stuff like that on youtube but it just makes me think we don't really have an equivalent i wonder if we could i wonder if we should um i don't know i don't know i I just had a thought about something and Mm -hmm. fuck i oh also can't forget to mention for 
the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, uh, what's that song called? I think it's called Gotta Go Fast or something by Lil Yachty. The recent, oh, yeah. oh, oh, I love that one. Yeah. 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 But, yeah that's, it, oh, America, I Run, I think it's what it's called. America's practice is definitely reversed, right? Like, yeah. They, yeah. they, in Japan, it seems like they put unknown artists in a situation, even for anime films, and, well, maybe not always. For, I feel like films try to use, anime films do use some established artists. But um, for shows, it does seem like they're willing to kind of help a band get their start or get their moment. Um, but in reverse, in America, we're all about using pre-established people to help boost the profile of our of our project, which is, it's whatever. I mean, it seems like animation. I watched a really great video essay about how animation has drifted towards that, how it used to be unknown actors that were always voicing stuff in Disney movies. And now, you know, voice actors. And now it's like every animated film has this like star studded cast, you know, it's like people that, and it, I heard, you know, that part of it's like Hollywood trying to appeal to the parents. So it's like the parents are going to be more, you know, if freaking Bill Hader is the voice of a chicken in some animated movie, they're going to be more excited to take their four year old to see Bill hate because they can laugh because, Oh, Bill Hader. You know, that's, that's kind of interesting that it's shifted that way while Japanese animation has kind of, now, Japanese animation, it's really tough to become a voice actor in Japan. They have a very, yeah. it's a very competitive field and a very, very strenuous process. That's why they, and I think that's why they have such quality level of voice acting. But uh, in the reverse, they're, they're more willing to take a risk on unknowns. Uh, One Piece even mm-hmm. has a whole thing where like these guys who were like fans, if you, you guys know this story, I'll tell the podcast the story. The one of the yeah, intros to I, One Piece. I don't think I know it. One of the intros to One Piece over, is during the Paramount War. Uh, I believe the story goes like this. Don't quote me on this. If I mess this up, listeners, f- feel free to correct me. I'm just off memory. I remember this sort of happening, and I'm I'm certain that I'm misquoting it in some ways. But the song "One Day," I believe it was called, is an anime intro for One Piece, and I I believe that the band was pretty unknown, but they really really wanted to do an intro for One Piece. Um, they were big fans of the series, and they they either submitted. Or went through some process to just get themselves in front of of the comp- of the group that was doing it and was like, hey, we really we really want to get one of our songs on the show. You know, it's really important to us. We're huge fan. You know, the series had such an impact on us, and they were able to get their song on there just by sort of lobbying to to get a song uh, on the show. Don't know what happened to the band afterwards. Don't know much about their story afterwards or if they were able to pick up. But it's a beautiful intro. One of my favorite intros of One Piece actually, and was perfectly utilized as the intro during the Paramount War. Uh, I won't spoil it, but if you're a fan mm. of One Piece, you know what the Paramount War is. And yeah, great, great use of fans and people in the in the you know people that are fans of these series being able to get the opportunity to put their mark on the series. And I think that's crazy. That's super cool. Um, One Piece also had mm. a really popular K-pop band way before the K-pop series. They they came on and did one of the One Piece intros. It's like yeah, probably my favorite uh, One Piece opening. That's crazy. It's like. Um, that's the one that's like. Come is on, that share the world? Everybody, let me share the music. Yeah. Come on, it's such it's everybody. such a good opening. That opening is also like three minutes world. long. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's a long opening. I love it. I love that's it. What, but... That's why our One Piece cut. That was the first one that they cut endings, and they oh, just yeah. tacked it onto the intro. Yeah, the intros got longer because the endings got cut from One Piece. Yeah, they but, cut the endings out. Toei's actually oh, starting to wow. do that across a lot of their shows. They they aren't doing indie songs anymore. They're doing extended intros. Uh, is what I'm under the impression of. I believe that they're doing that on one of their other, like one of their sailor shows or something. I Damn, know. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, it's a thing One Piece does. I like it because you can just front load. You just skip everything at the front, and then once the show starts, 
you just have to watch everything. If you're marathoning, it's easier to skip ahead or to move. Yeah, ahead. that's true. You don't have to worry. I just love. I I like I like endings. Yeah, I mean, like, like Copcraft, like a show that we're about to talk about today. Yeah, I think I, I both their opening and ending songs. I, I really, really enjoyed. enjoyed. Yeah, they're, they're both really good. Okay, um, let me Let's... let me wait. Let me shout out some openings. Um, okay. Beck Magoli and Chops Gods hitting the USA. Fucking bop. Um, Yu Haka shows obviously. Smile bomb. Fucking bop. Oh, hell yeah, um, Smile Bomb. Bomb. Smile Bomb is one of the best, Smile one of the Bomb best is English openings uh, for anime ever made. I will say okay. up and down. Even the Japanese version is great. The English version is great. They are both amazing, 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 amazing guys. Uh, Pegasus of Fantasy. That's a fucking bop. Saint Seiya did it right. Who did that? Uh, can, uh, I don't know the I don't know the name of that band. I'll look it up. Come on, I just I just watch anime. Okay. Um, Kanikuman uh, intro. Kanikuman go fight. Fucking bop. Okay. You also can't, can't forget to mention all of the all of the current JoJo openings. All every single opening. Every single, every single stream, ending from JoJo's Bizarre stream, Adventure. Bloody Stream, fucking bop. Uh, Stand Proud is one. Stand Proud. They're all good. The second opening from the original Hunter Hunter anime oh, damn. is oh, yeah. amazing. Okay, yeah, all you Jared. new Hunter Hunter fans, <laughs> sit down, go watch that opening. It is the best. The, oh, I wish that so, opening had been oh used in the new show's freaking spider art because it sets the mood so well. Yeah. Oh, the tone! Oh my god, the tone I, of that hey, song. What's happening in the show? Hunter X Hunter's opening, fucking. There, wow. yeah, all the current ones are really good too. Um, any song by Yui. Oh yeah. Uh, so Rolling yeah, Star, Hanabi, um, uh, Full Metal, a song of Full Nabi, um, Full Metal. Yeah. Any, any by Lisa, any opening by Lisa. Lisa is did Demon Slayer, I think. She did. Demon Slayer opening, I think it's Gringe. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Gringe. Yeah, Gringe. I think it's like called. Mm-hmm. She killed that yep. one. You're right. Um, FMA, the one that Nico touches the wall does. I think it's opening three. Fucking bop. Okay. We're just shouting out. And honestly, oh, they're, they're only known for Fully Cooly, but the pillows is an amazing thing. Oh yeah. Everything that they've done Bro, for anime is powerful. everything. Yep. Uh, yeah, Shokugeki you. no Soma ending one. This is a uh, this is one that flies right under the radar. Ending one to Food Wars. I fucking love that song. Uh, I don't know why. I just really enjoy it. Okay. So, so listeners out there, why don't you do us a favor in the comment section below? Just share your favorite opening or ending song. Well, we're mm-hmm. we're gonna read them all. I'm yeah, just genuinely curious what. And if you tell like. me it's Tokyo Ghoul's opening, fuck off. Okay. Honestly, Vampire Night. If you told me it's Love Horizons opening, fuck off. Uh, database. No. Database. Okay, Living uh, in a database. It's just, everybody, every like opening song, like it's like, oh, under the radar, good opening song. Every single goddamn one is like, you ever heard Tokyo Ghouls opening? I'm like, yes, I've heard it. Okay. Listen, it's I, not. I, I actually have it. I should. The, no, everybody. It's unravel. It's like, um, how does it go, Kenny? It's it's it starts out with no no uh, instrumental. It's all just Japanese words. I don't actually yeah. know the word. No, I know how it goes. I was just singing it the other day. It's pretty wild. Yep. Why it's, is my cat crazy, y'all? You know, cats uh-huh. cats be that way. Okay, so the last thing we want to talk uh, okay, about before so... we jump into Copcraft, we're going to be really quick. Some of you might be basketball yeah. fans, so we wanted Kenny's perspective on this. 
uh, because I'm he, a basketball Kitty fan. loves basketball. He loves anime. A friend of mine shared these in a Discord I'm in. I thought they were really funny, and I, I wanted to put them here on the podcast just so that you guys could, you know, speculate yourself if you're a fan of Shonen and you're a fan of basketball. But a buddy of mine shared these, so a couple of really interesting ones. Someone was comparing basketball icons to anime, and they were saying that Michael Jordan is Dragon Ball. Okay, you can't actually see the picture, so I'm screwing this up. But, you know, there's some comparisons. Ran the 90s, da-da-da-da. I'm not going to read all of them, but you can probably Google them and find them. So they said, like, Jordan's Jordan's Dragon Ball, right? And then they hey. they assigned yep. Yep. what I consider sort of the next GOAT, right? So LeBron is one piece, which is like the follow-up GOAT. So from Jordan to LeBron, right? So, you know, one GOAT to the next. Um, they call him LeBron piece on the image, which I think is really funny. Um and then you've got the other sort of runners in this, which is uh, Kobe Bryant uh, being compared to Naruto. Rest in peace, Kobe. Um, you know, him being compared to Naruto as uh, Naruto B. Bryant. And then a we couple- can't see the tag, Kenny. Uh, I gotta like, okay. Uh. Uh, and then a couple <laughs> other. So those are sort of the three goats to me, right? Naruto, One Piece, Dragon Ball. Uh, Kobe, mm-hmm. LeBron, Michael Jordan, which I think is pretty good comparison. And then went a little more niche. Uh, Steph Curry being compared to My Hero Academia, My Curry Academia. Uh, which I think, <laughs> think is long after Naruto One Piece, that makes there, will sense. A, there will be a Steph and a Deku. So someone compared the two of them. Um, uh, Sleepers of the Craft saying that, um, geez, I'm forgetting. Oh, Car- Carmelo Anthony. I was like, who is this guy? I was like, it's Carmelo Anthony when he was on the Heat, I believe, uh, with LeBron. Is that right, Kenny? That's Dwayne Wade. Ah, Dwayne Jesus, Wade. You're right. I messed it up. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade. Wade. <laughs> Being compared to, I he was on the team with, uh, he was on the Heat with uh, Bosch, right? LeBron James and, and Chris Bosch. Yeah. Chris Bosch. Okay, yeah, I, I knew that. Um, I was yeah. reading Dwayne Wade. Actually, I was he won one with Shaq. Like, what the hell? Um, they compelled. They compared Dwayne Wade to Full Metal, which I think is very interesting. Um, that one is. I do think Dwayne Wade's a great basketball player, and more people should respect that. So, <laughs> Tim, wait, what did they even call this one? So the, the full the Full Metal one, they didn't actually give it like a name. Um, I know that like you know my curry academia nard okay then they have uh yeah. Tim Cowboy Bebop Duncan which I think is pretty funny if you know Tim Duncan from the Spurs let's, hasn't let's he be been honest, there Tim Duncan is yeah is he still playing or is he retired now I feel like he played for free no years. he retired two years ago he's he coaching played, for the Spurs. played for a long ass time <laughs> um, and mm. then uh, we've also got Allen Iverson compared to Inuyasha which I think is pretty interesting as well Shaq compared to Yu Yu Hakusho. I thought that was also a really fun comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Asta from, or Black Clover being compared to uh, James Harden. Josta Harden. What the heck? <laughs> um, that's what we're calling <laughs> on here. <laughs> Overall, I thought they were really fun comparisons if you're a fan of basketball, if you're into the basketball season right now, anime as well. Kenny, what do you think of these comparisons? Do you think they're accurate? I thought they were all pretty funny uh, and accurate. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't really swap any around. I think they're pretty good representation. I think it's funny. No one, no, they didn't assign anyone to Bleach. Kenny, do you think someone would be the bleach of basketball? Who's is there a bleach Who's, of basketball player? Who is somebody that went out early? Oh, um, Blake Griffin. Blake, <laughs> well, he's not. Blake Griffin. <laughs> David said, "Yeah, that's, that that's my only guy." That's a basketball player. I'm trying to think. Kenny, do you think there's a good bleach comparison? I think it's funny. They I don't know. Somebody, that, maybe somebody that went out a little early. Um, Kenny's like, uh, I don't. Know. Like, because Bleach was, like, really good and then was sort of done. I feel like it it, I feel like, it lasted longer than it should have. It lasted past its prime. But something that came out yeah. around the time One Piece and Naruto did 
So who is in the Kobe and LeBron generation? Oh, that last bro, you could compare it, you could compare it to like Dirk, okay? Like Dirk, Nowitzki. Dirk that's not bad. Everybody knew, everybody knew Dirk was good. Dirk was a great basketball player, and he won a championship, but he got really old really fast, and he was he hurt and running up and down. He was hurt and running up and down the court. Right. What about like Kevin Durant? Who do we compare Kevin? Yeah, Durant? can KD be someone like Fairy Tale or something? It has to be something where, at least, okay, I can answer this one pretty confidently. I feel like with KD, it has to be something that was liked, and then all of a sudden, like, their entire fan base just dropped off. Like, there was a, a change that happened, and then the entire fan base just dropped so off. So maybe right KD's bleach. I don't know. Maybe, KD maybe is KD's bleach. Maybe, yeah, is he? I feel like he just was a little after LeBron. And, well, he he's definitely in. When LeBron was in his prime, KD was playing against him. You're right. Correct, but um, Katie was young then. Yeah, so yeah. it's but that would make sense because One Piece is older than Bleach. Not a bad yeah. comparison. Yeah. So maybe Katie is Bleach, but maybe Katie is something like Attack on Titan. Maybe, maybe. I hate Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan so. started really high, really popular. It dived off in the middle, and now well, it's no, so I, I figured it out. Katie is Sword Art Online. Okay, no, that's Funk so Sword Art Online. Oh. Katie can't be Sword Art, but I think I think Attack on Titan's not a bad. Comparison for KD, I think that Fairy Tale maybe, but I think you could put Fairy Tale somewhere else. Um, who else was kind of the mat? Like, do you think deserves like a comparison, Kenny? I'm like I'm trying to think who the kind of the runners in the game are in, in the NBA. Maybe we pick an NBA player and try to pull it over. What do you think? Who's in? The, who's, who would you? Who, who are we you, thinking? Like Fresh Boys or like I don't know. I'm thinking Jimmy Buckets. Hey, Jimmy's doing good right now. Who's been the, going hard playoff. for a good amount of time that you think is is starting to kind of? I mean, obviously, I think Kevin Durant is one of those players. Obviously, yeah. they got Steph Curry from My Hero Academia. I think that that's a really good comparison. Um, I think we're at this then, weird point in the NBA like, right now where a lot of the superstars are older, yeah. and a lot of the young guys are just now coming up. So we, you know, we've gotten a little bit of them, but not a lot of them to be like. You know, some of these guys I'm pretty sure are going to be fucking superstars, but we are two, three, four years into their careers and not quite, you know, we're not quite at a point where I can be like, oh, that's like, you know, that's like this one. Yeah. Hmm. Who who would be Chainsaw Man? Chainsaw Man? Trey, yeah. Trey Young. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or Luca. Luca. Yeah. Trey Young, Kenny, come on. He's also an up-and-comer. Brand new, right off the uh, bit, right off. I think Trey Young's a great basketball player. He's gonna do. He's gonna do great. But Holly Luca, I think Luca's the best rookie, but Trey Young is the second best rookie, right? Well, Luca's not a rookie. Okay, oh, what? We're in their soft. This was their sophomore season. No, I know this was. I'm talking about like when they were rookies. Like it was like oh they yeah, came yeah. In, they came in together. They both got picked for the big team, the big rookie teams or whatever. But Luca yep. was just considered a little bit better than Trey, and was definitely playing on a better team. Luca was playing on. A yeah, better he team. was. He was playing on a better team. I do have to. The, the Hawks are ass. Yeah, and Trey they kind of ended up on just a rough team, but his yeah, stats were still impressive. Um, so maybe yeah, Trey and Luca are our uh, our up and comers. Maybe there are. Maybe Luca's Demon Slayer, or so, no? Because Demon yeah, Slayer's already kind of over. But everybody talks about Zion right now. Everybody's sold on Zion. He's fucking huge. Oh, I know about Zion. Yeah. Who, who, yeah, maybe he's also one of those ones that Chainsaw Man, Demon Slayer, those up and comers. Yeah. The Dr. John Morant. Stones. I love the. I'm honestly, I'm really interested in the Grizzlies coming up. So I dig it. Okay, well, I just thought that was a fun comparison. I thought it was fun. If people who are fans of basketball, maybe nobody who's listening to this as a fan of basketball, they just want to listen to anime, and they're like, "Yeah, cool." I don't basketball. know shit about basketball. Yeah, um, 
Uh, obviously, I don't either. Um, but I well, actually, I Jerry, something just happened the other day in Game Two of the Eastern Conference Finals. A guy was in his shooting motion and caught a pass and shot a three, like in Crocodile Basket. He very genuinely was in the middle of his shooting motion, and they passed the ball into his hand, and he shot it. There's a clip. I, what kind I of promise anime you, as? I promise what? you, the, Duncan what's... Robinson sh- was in the middle of his shooting motion and caught a pass in the middle of it and shot the three. That's it's a wild. ridiculous clip. There's, I, I think it's That's also crazy. interesting because there are some NBA players that are really big fans of anime. Um, one that I remember got a lot of attention is when uh, long-haired guy from the Thunder, I can't even think of his name. Um, Who, Stephen Adams? Stephen Adams. The, he did that interview after one of the games, one of the finals or uh, conference finals, and they were like, Stephen, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm watching One Piece or something like that. And he's like watching it on his phone. And they're like, what? He was like, I'm watching One Piece, the the anime. And yeah. <laughs> it's a really funny, if you can find it, uh, definitely. There's a, it, guys. there's a clip it's of funny. Joel Embiid watching uh, Dragon Ball Super literally before a game. That's so cool. And I think that's cool. I think I think there's overlap, just like how there's overlap between anime and the hip, and hip-hop culture. I think there's anime, uh, there's sport and anime overlap as well. I mean, think about all the very, the very impressive sports animes that are out there. Uh, but then just the overlap in the shonen genre and in some of the uh, fandoms that go along with sports fandoms. So I think that it's worth talking about as sort of the overlap between anime and sports fans because, uh, yeah, they're just they, there is an overlap. Even if it's not talked about very much, it does exist. Um, and I think it's really cool to look at. I, I know like a lot of NFL players have been getting some some deals with like Crunchyroll where they're actually coming to conventions. Uh, and yeah. There's one really popular NFL player. I'm forgetting his name. Who does cosplay a lot, and he got he? I think he cosplayed as like, um, gosh, don't quote me. I want to say it was either Raikage or the Killer B from Naruto. He did a really mm-hmm. cool cosplay of him. I can't remember which character. Oh, that great memory. And you can't remember which player, okay? Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, it was a, a guy, and he cosplayed as a Naruto character. Uh, but he's famous. But he was famous prior to uh, doing that. So great, but yeah, there's overlap. I think it's always fun to talk about that stuff. I really like the images that were shared, so I thought it was just funny. Were you thinking of Mike Daniels? Is that the guy? Uh, did you find his cosplay? Yep. Is it? Is it? it looks pretty good. Which, who does he, he play cosplay? Uh, he cosplayed as Raikage. It was the Raikage. Okay, I was like, ah. Yep. Yeah, dude, I love this. It, cosplay. it looks pretty good. Yeah, I love this cosplay. Um, yeah, I think he's got a. Re- he plays for the Packers. He's big as fuck he too. Holy shit. Plays for the Bengals now. Bengals now, okay. He played for the Packers. Um, Drafted big as fuck. He's big. He got, he knocks Rikage out of the park, dude. Yeah. Really nailed it. But uh, I thought that was cool. Cool stuff. Okay, let's get into our show. All right. We are deep in. We are Time 40, for Copcraft. We took 40 minutes talking about random stuff, so anime intros really <laughs> got us off, off the walls. Let's talk Copcraft. I don't think we're going to have a lot of... I mean, we're going to have opinions about it. We always have opinions about this stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how long yep. we go on Copcraft. But Copcraft was a short show. So can you give yeah, us our uh, can you give us our overview? What was Copcraft about? Maybe? So Copcraft, you get introduced to this city called Santa Teresa. Um, there was a interdimensional gate that opens in the middle of the ocean, and these sort of elven creatures uh, start to come over. After I believe they said there's two wars that happened, or one war um, relations with humans and these uh, what are they? They're not called the Dorini are what the elves called them, right? The elves are called but these elves have begun to live among humans in our earth it's a classic reverse isekai um but it's a 
little more gritty, and it's definitely a cop show. It, it follows it follows that sort of formula. So we're introduced to Talarna, who is a uh, she's a royal knight from from the Elven world, and she gets. The, I don't even remember. Does it give the world a name? Do you guys remember? I think it's called Samar Samarnia or whatever. Sam oh, maybe it is Samarni. Samar Samarni. Um, but so the, the people are called the people are Saman Samanian. Samanian. The place is called Samani, I believe. Samani. Samani. Yeah. Um, okay. So these, uh, she is then paired up with a uh, American detective in San Teresa, and they become partners after uh, through some. Uh, uh, circumstances, uh, Kay's previous partner is killed, um, and they sort of unravel this first little adventure together, and because of that, they sort of stick together and become new partners, and it's, you know, you get that classic fish-out-of-water stuff with Talarna as she learns about, you know, Santeresa and our human world. Um, we actually never go over to uh, Samani. We never get to see the Elven homeworld. Nope. Um, but it, it's just, uh, it, it's that sort of, and then I would honestly say, if you've seen Bright with Will Smith, it, it has a similar mm. sort of... That's uh, true. Oh, good comparison, Kenny. Similar sort of theming and whatnot. But, it's kind of weird. Yeah. This this came out so much before before Bright. Now yeah. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. It's very stuff. similar, especially since it's Buddy Cop, too. Like, it's, yeah. you know, they're just partners or whatever yeah and, just instead of his buddy the cop's buddy being a buff alien it's a 18 year old uh total waifu that's i mean <laughs> who needs two dudes when you can just team the dude up with a uh little naive talarna exodilica uh mm -hmm. badass you know uh badass waifu but that's mm -hmm. that's anime for you <laughs> yeah. so boys what and that's i mean that's basically it yeah I think you nailed it, Kenny. So, boys, what did we think? I mean, just initial reactions. What did you think after you popped in and finished up Copcraft? By the way, it was only 12 episodes. Just came out last year. Uh, ran mm. from July to September of 19. So, about a little over a year ago is when it ended. Or, shoot, a little, yeah, a little over, or a little under a year ago is when it wrapped yeah. up. Mm. Um, but, yeah, only 12 episodes. Adapted by a studio named Millipanese. Which I will say, Milipensi caught a lot of flack for friend. their adaptation of Berserk that they did in 3D. Yeah, in 2016, they caught a yep. lot of hatred. I would say Berserk the anime for their bad. very poorly handled Berserk adaptation, which is unfortunate because the same director handled Copcraft as well. Uh, Shin Itagaki is the director credited for both shows. Actually, credited for every TV series that uh, Milipensi. Uh, that company has done but these are ex-employees from the old company shaft and gynax you probably have heard gynax because they did a lot of early 2000s anime so i'm big sure that right huh did they do big o potentially i i, I want to say they did Garth. i just uh, i want to say that uh, pretty much any like like trinity blood um you know like all those anime that hit back in the early 2000s i feel like overall, yeah they were doing they they had some hand in them gynax was just all over the place in the early 2000s. Kenny, you're back. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, Gynax, Kenny, what I was saying was, yeah, Gynax just all over the place did a lot of shows. These are ex-employees from there, but Shinji Tagaki seems to be their main director, and that's the person who handled Copcraft and handled Berserk, the same, same director. So what do you think, boys? Initial feelings after finish, wrapping up the 12 episodes of Copcraft. So 
Can you go first? No, okay, so I, I think my biggest complaint with the show, it, I don't think it was, I, I think it was really bad. Um, but I just didn't like, I don't like how they paced it. Um, I felt like the episodes were sort of disjoint and they almost didn't move at the pace that you wanted. In the center, like the center, like three episodes sort of just forget about things or like the spoilers, obviously for cop crap, but there's like a subplot. There's a subplot episode with the mayor and then he's just sort of forgotten about and then he comes back and he gets murdered and you're like... "Uh, you sort of become disjoint from these characters. And I, I don't know if that was, I, I do think it was probably a aspect of the adaptation and not necessarily the story itself. And so I didn't knock it that much. And if you watch it back to back consecutively, it's really not, not that big of an issue, you know, it's, you know, it's only 12 episodes too. So it doesn't, it doesn't take away too much from it. But I, I do think that if you're like, if you were stopping every week, I would feel very weird. Um, watching it like that i i I think that it would it it would i i probably would have stopped watching it if i was watching it week to week you've kind of got an initial Mm. uh set of episodes that like lays the base for the plot then you've got this Mm -hmm. middle chunk of episodes that is like sort of it felt like side stories other parts of the light novels that they adapted and then the back half which sort of wraps up the plot introduced in the first couple episodes so you kind of just get some miscellaneous character development and side stories in the middle which i think could be like lead-ins for later plots from the light novels, especially the yeah. vamp- the vampire girl arc part. Right. That, I bet mm-hmm. that that gets further fleshed out in a later light novel, but they do eventually wrap up the Zalata arc, which sort of is in the first three episodes, and in the back three or four episodes, the middle plot is kind of miscellaneous. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's one episode that I really hated. That I I it was like an episode and a half that I really hated. Um, comparatively to the rest of the show, we'll it was prior. Prior to the opening finishing or to the opening playing, that art is totally done and it's like almost totally forgotten about. Like it didn't even happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, David, what were your initial thoughts jumping in? Uh, so initially, you know, I've never heard of it, so I didn't really have any expectations going into it. Um, the opening was pretty fire, so yep. I, it opening got me excited great. to that first episode. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm excited to see what I'm about to see. And the whole, so so San Teresa, it's called San Teresa, right? It's like yeah. on an island. Yeah, yeah. So it's like on an island. It's like kind of like I guess like a, a pseudo San Francisco. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it was kind of giving me the same type of vibes from watching like the beginning of um, of uh, Banana Fish, where mm-hmm. just it just reminded me of that setting. Yeah. Um, the first thing that like stepped out to me that was really weird was I was like, why are they using CGI for all, the, all these cars? Oh my yeah. The CGI was like, and there was also just random moments where they would CGI the people. Yeah. And that looked triple bad. It just mm-hmm. looked really awful. So that was like my first kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. And then it happened in the first couple episodes, though. I think. No, I, there are some yeah, I, even in the back half where you see CGI. Uh, really? This company, yeah, I mean it's in, it's in, it's in every single episode, but it's like like very short scenes where yeah, they do. It's know, like kind of subtle. They're pretty over reliant. This company's pretty over reliant on CGI, unfortunately. If as like if you look at their whole catalog, Milipanese really right. Yeah, but go on, David. Um. So, uh, where was I going? Yeah. So the characters like seemed like I watched the 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 English dub. So, uh, Kenny and Jerry watched the sub. sub. I watched the dub. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the dub wasn't bad. Um, there are some very like stereotypical characters in the show, which I was kind of like, that's kind of weird. Um, for example, there's like a priest. There's a priest guy, and he's like talking in in ebonics, kind of like, in yeah. the dub. I don't know if that's just like uh, no, like how the character's written, or no, if it's just like the dub that, itself. No, I'd say arguably the the sub even kind of had him speaking in ebonics. Honestly, he definitely. Yeah, had, so it's like so it's on the writer. The character was pretty stere- like st- like black stereotypes, unfortunately. Yeah. So there's like a so there's like a there's like two characters where Kay, who's the main character, and um, what's the girl's name? Talarna. Talarna. Talarna Exidelica. Mm-hmm. Um are two main character cops. There's multiple times where they go to, they need to get help from this. Basically he's like a pimp and his bodyguard. And the bodyguard is like a big, huge buff black guy. uh, And the priest is like, I don't even know what he's supposed to be, but he's like a, just a skinny guy. Yeah, He's like a club owner. Yeah. He's like a club owner. Right. Right. And so every time in the dub, at least when they're like, they're talking, it's like, pretty uh super stereotypical uh there's also like a, a a latina woman who's part of the the police station seems to be she, detective i would say yeah, oh, yeah, yeah there's yeah. like her and like another white woman who are like the, like the two like two detective ladies that are like the two primary like researchers they like yeah. look up everything and they like get k and the other police officers and detectives information that they need yeah i think they only go um, on like one mission in the whole show they have like one like yeah side part where they step away from the desk and go take care of something and then come back but yeah so basically the, the point i'm trying to get to is that there are lots of times when like the the characterization of some of the people where it's like kind of like like head tilting of like that's like is there a point is there a point to this yeah um the the thing i thought that was interesting though that um and bright is like a perfect i mean this is basically bright the anime because yeah. Um, this show takes this these people who are are different, and everyone refers to them as as aliens, which is like the slur in this universe. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's basically like a, a symbolism of of racism in in our world. Yeah. And it, I would say that um, it's it's actually more explicit than that. Like there are multiple moments where Talarna says that's racist. Um, yeah. Like it's it's almost right. Like, yeah. Instead, like, you know how sometimes it's just a symbolic thing? This show, like, took it to the next level and was like, no yeah. symbol. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You guys are racist against uh, people from the other dimension. Um, yeah. And it's, like, similar to what what Kenny was saying, where it's, like, a, a basic buddy cop movie. And I, I've seen this trope so many times before where they partner two cops from completely different backgrounds that hate the other side. But as they work together they learn more about each other and then they, you know, become, they, they go through a whole character arc mm-hmm. and are, they have different uh, perspectives of people that are different from them. And this was essentially that case starts out, you know, he's like, kind of like, he's like, doesn't care slash doesn't like aliens or aliens in this world. Samanians. Right. So. Uh, because they killed his partner. So he already has that kind of vendetta against them. And he fought. And, he fought in the war. He fought in the right. war against Samani. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it, the show like built him up to like, okay, he doesn't like these people. And then when you see him partner with uh, Talania, you're like, okay, this will be pretty interesting. Um, so it, it wasn't anything new. It was all pretty, you know, predictable. 
as far as you know how their relationship would grow and who they would be at the end of the show um watching i mean it was an easy binge i mean i enjoyed it for what it was i'll probably never watch it again yeah but um the i mean i i also agree like the middle part there was just like random like one-off episodes where they had like their own like mini plots mm-hmm. um that they provided some kind of character progression for for Kay and Talarnia. Yeah, you've got like kind of four what was it like four mini plots, right? I mean, you've got like yeah. the vampire mini plot, the cat plot, the there was like a subplot about was, the Is that the one you hated, Jerry? Yeah, we'll yes. talk about the cat. You plot. hated the, the politics. <laughs> then there's the politics no, yeah. subplot and then there's the uh the sort of um uh, fr- well, I would count that as part of the politics subplot. I guess there was really only like three that happened in that middle. Or no, there yeah, was also the, the car one, the where she's learning to drive. Oh, oh yeah. The car, the cat, the politics, and the vampire. Those happen all in the center, while Zalata kind of takes up the first three and last three episodes as yeah. a whole. So, Yeah. And, and this whole, I mean, all 12 episodes are based on six light novels. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't know how long the light, how long typically a light novel is. I'd I assume not that long. I wouldn't be surprised if this only adapts one or two of them. I, I don't know. The, I might be able to find it. Uh, but I would be surprised if this adapts all six of them. Yeah, because I mean, I, I bet that would make sense if they, if the, the whatever the guy's name is, Alarda or whatever, is like the the last or like the second to last light novel, and those episode one offs are just like super summarized versions of the remaining light novels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I I liked it. It was meh. I liked it much more than Long Horizon, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a about all the opinion I have of it. Right. I think that yeah. The the new uh, okay. Um. You um. The big Jerry, your like, turn. Yeah. I was like, uh, I think the big thing about the show is I went into it with way low expectations. It's a shitty anime studio based off of a very very not popular light novel. Um. Most likely, we're probably only going to get these twelve episodes ever. I can't imagine this anime was super popular. Doesn't seem to have really hit a lot of boards. There wasn't really a lot of buzz about it. I don't imagine they're going to come back for another season. If they did, I'd be surprised. Um, it's it's I, only on Hulu too, right? Which is kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that, yeah, over the last over 10 years, only six light novels have even been made for it. Um, and those don't even conclude, you know, it's still considered running. So there might be more coming. Um, I think that most likely this is probably all we're going to see of an animated version of Copcraft from what I, from my understanding. And I think because that you can kind of ingest it and just be like, okay, this is it. And I think that actual ending of the anime, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think that if you just look at it as one 12 episode story and move on from that, I actually thought it wasn't half bad. Uh, yeah. As like, a I'd agree with that. Uh, knowing that there's more out there, I'm kind of curious, but overall cool with it. 12 episodes probably won't. If, if they made another season, I might actually watch it. Don't know. I, I wasn't as invested, I think. But David, I think, hit it really on the head in that, like, this is a stereotypical buddy cop show that uses a lot of standard tropes that we're all used to that come from American and Japanese things and mixes in the one, like, little sprinkle it gives us, and David and Kenny didn't really touch on this, is that the buddy cop is an anime waifu. Like, that is just the entire... That's her persona. Um, yeah. Which is something mm-hmm. that isn't... That's not in Bright. That's not... I don't know where that is, but they're like, let's take a literally hardened cop and that goes through legitimate, like, there's a pornography scandal, uh, car stealing, drugs, 
all the stuff that comes with buddy cops and cop movies and cop plots, and let's just toss in a little dash of etchy, a little dash of lolly, a little dash of that. Let's just toss that in there. And that's, uh, that's, that's cop crap. I mean, just to put up, up front, you're that's, not wrong. You know, that's what you're cop not crap wrong. is. Is it's just a little yeah. sprinkle of that of that little weebiness that we all love, that little naivete, that little beauty, you know, that comes with that. And the whole show is centered around how can we make Talarna more of a waifu? There are so many moments that people, you know, she's badass, she kicks demons' butts, she's got sick armor, she transforms, she's got a super sick sword, she's cutesy, she's huggy on Cecil, she loves Kay, but like a brother, you know, all these little moments. And that's what it was. It was, it was cop show plus anime weebiness. And honestly, yeah. it worked way better than I ever thought it was going. You know, it went in with low expectations, came out pleasantly surprised and impressed. Uh, despite the 3D animation... The 2D animation looked good. Pretty uh, good, yeah. The music overall, I thought the show was scored well. David, yeah. what do you Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I, I do wish the animation was more to what... Because if you look at the cover, if you Google the cover of Copcraft... Kind of realistic. The, the cover art looks really good. Yeah. So I, I saw this after finishing the show because I'll usually finish something that we discuss and then I'll research it after that. And when I saw the cover art of that of the light novel, I was like, damn. I really wish the animation was more like this. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the, the animation is, like, very, like, typical, like, not bottom of the barrel, but, like, maybe a level above that yeah. type of anime animation. It's got a bit of so. a, a grittiness, a bit of a squareness to it that I think I like. But you're right, the original art from the light novel is, like, wit, like almost, it's, like, a... It's, like, more realistic. It feels more say. comic, comic booky to me is the word I would yeah. use. Like, almost sort of, like, American comic book-esque. Um, it's got yeah. a bit of that grittierness, the full color aspect to it as well, kind of gives that comic book feel. While Copcraft kind of simplified it to more an, of anime standards, the anime did at least. Yeah. Um, but I still think a lot of scenes, especially some of the fight scenes, the magic, uh, really well animated actually, and well um, directed is the word I would use for a director who came off Berserk, which is not good. Uh, really well directed. The fight scenes were paced well. They had great action sequences. Um, and for the most part, I felt like there was uh, there was weight to the action sequences. Like, I really felt like Talarna and Kay were disposable, that they could actually get hurt and potentially die. There were moments where I was like, I'm not sure. And, and I like that in a story. You know, I, I don't want to know that our, mm. that our main characters are just going to win all the time. Um, knowing that they could potentially lose, uh, I felt that. I felt like that was actually possible, especially because the show, it happens. The first scene is them losing. And I think that that yeah. is a trope that, when used well, can give some some levity to the plot. You actually feel like there's... Uh, and then also, there was a character they introduced, if you remember this, the vampire kills, like, a kind of, like, talkative character for the first path. The vampire actually yeah. murders a character. And that's yeah. three episodes in, and you go, wait, another character just died? And then in yeah. the back half, the politician that they were building up, dead. Just dies again. Kill you have him. another character that just dies... And because of that, you actually are a little more invested. I, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, they might actually die. There's there's some more brevity here. I think that one yeah. thing that this month, or this series tried to do, and I think David touched on it, that it didn't kind of work, is this show tries to introduce a diverse cast in an attempt to play on the themes of races, traditional themes that are going on in America, actually, today, which I think is really interesting. But worldwide, there's an impact there. And I unfortunately think that the author, potentially because of a cultural problem, 
maybe missed the point. I think that most of the attempts the author was making, um, you know, the director of the police department was a black guy. Um, the the two the two female detectives, one of them being a, a woman of color. Uh, there were a lot of attempts made by the author to include a diverse cast of characters, and I I don't think he he completely messed it up. I think that there were if it's a he or she, I don't know. Um, I don't think the author completely messed it up, but I do think that he they missed the mark a couple times. Right, what I do. do I, I I really like I I really liked that the characters were diverse. They weren't like just a ton of other guys in an office. Oh yeah, but one like, of the detectives is gay too, openly gay. Yeah, I I I, yeah. I liked Ivan and Tony mm-hmm. it, as their partnership, their little you know, and, and I liked that everybody was in little pairs and because they all yeah, they each had partners in the office. Police, and, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah, you know, like. And yeah, that was cool. They were detectives in a police department. I thought that was really cool. It, it still kind of carries that uh, kind of. I mean, like weirdly enough, I just watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, which maybe viewers won't know, but there were some. I was like, wow, like they captured sort of an American detective sitcom in some ways in the show yeah. that yeah. I was expecting. Um, Wish they expanded upon it more. I do on those characters. I and I wonder how much more the light novel gives you more uh, expansion because I'll admit the show was yeah. pretty hyper focused on Kay and Talarna. Um, you get yeah. little bits and moments with the other characters, but really this is about this is the story of Kay and Talarna and how they overcome sort of their their bond or their circumstance to become bonded. You know, it's the buddy cop film, mm-hmm. the fish out of water. What if, um, how do we? Get they there? call whenever they had to, they sent Tony in to buy the pornography. I loved that. He, that was so funny. He played a character. He like totally changed his voice. Um, yeah, I love that so much. So such a great moment. And <laughs> the big thing that I have to give credit to the the anime director uh, and maybe the writer of the light novel is there were two or three scenes that I looked like was as reading them was like this is very well crafted dialogue for a show that yeah. I did like I kind of had low like expectations for. There were some pretty well crafted um, mm. reflections on race relations that I wasn't expecting. Um, from a show like this, if that makes any sense. There was uh, the mm-hmm. first scene, there's a scene between Kay and Talarna in his apartment early in the show that I really liked, um, that was a really strong scene, and a scene later in the show where they're in the car talking about racism specifically, and Talarna's having this reflection about how most people won't treat her poorly because the way she looks, she looks very human. But some people don't have that... that uh, What'd she say? Some that people, privilege, yeah, I that guess. Privilege. Yeah, she says yeah. that. And Kay, like, acknowledges, like, yeah, that's just the case with uh, some... It, it was a pretty reflective conversation that I was like, the fuck show am I? Like, <laughs> didn't she just shit in the litter box as a human being? Um, You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that... It, 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 I was surprised <laughs> that I could watch the oh, show where she was switched, she switched bodies with a cat, pulled her underwear down, and I guess she peed in the litter box. As she peed in the litter box. Human being, yeah. Catwoman, peed in the litter box. Shit doesn't one exist episode, in anime, okay? One episode before that, and then the next episode, they're having this reflective conversation on race relations that uh, seemed poignant. I-, I would use the word poignant. I think that there was some dialogue that was actually um, really impressive. Uh, is the best word. I- you know, snuck into this pretty, like, subpar cop plot. You've got a couple reflections on race that were... That were well done. So I, I think that's something that I really have to give Copcraft credit for. It did something that surprised me is the word I would use. Um, because yeah, better so, than bright. Okay. Oh yeah. Over. Uh, I think that they they actually knocked that. Yeah, I think they knocked bright out of the park with uh, the you know aliens or fairies. The fit you know the the mythical creatures being mm-hmm. um, 
an analog to race. And um, I think it was even cooler because there are also black people in the in the series. And Talarna yep. and the, the police detective, the chief of police, have, uh, you know, the chief of police doesn't really like aliens either, um, Samanians. And they kind of have a couple back and forth where the black guy's like, don't talk to me about racism. Like, I'm black. You know, and I was like, oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh shit. Um, so we're still it was some, like, damn, that still that still exists. Yeah, in I, was this like, world. Yeah, I was like, there's yeah. some 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 really great again, just sneaky dialogue that surprised me for a light novel adaptation that I thought was a uh, pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Aside from that, we got to talk about the one jarring issue with the show. It was episodes, I believe, eight and nine, eight, all of eight and part of episode nine, which is probably my least favorite thing that happened in this whole show. And Talarna discovers a magical rod uh, that switches her body with Kay's uh, pet cat. And the body of her her human adult body, 18-year-old body, uh, is uh, now a cat. And her she is now stuck inside of the body of a cat uh, for about, Jesus, about 35 minutes of this show. That is the plot. <laughs> um, and the whole plot is literally, uh, gotta get my body back. So they chase after the rod that was thrown in the trash. And it must have been... I don't know what we gained from that other than like etchy and like it was a it reason was, to see her in her panties, pure fan and in a litter box, pure. And it was like pure, like fetishy fan service. I was like, I was like, I don't want to watch this 18 year old Talarna piss in a litter box animated. I'm like, I don't want that. Um, hey, she's this. actually 26. She's 26 so in that- Samanian years, 18 in uh, earth years. I don't know what the hell that means either. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That was, like, another weird thing. They didn't really explain, like, why Samanian years are different. Um, so, whatever that means. So, she's supposed to be... Uh, she's an adult, beside the point. Right. A grown adult. But it's still just a she's strange... A, she's a full-grown knight, you know, like... Yeah, she's a fully grown adult. Pissing um, in the litter box. But in the litter box. Yeah, so you get this full-blown scene where she legitimately, like, pulls her panties down and, like, sits in the litter box and, like, takes a piss... And well, the, like, the cat does it. Okay? I was like, they could have implied that that just happened and had her freak out. Did we really need? An no, Jerry, I prefer to see it. I I needed to see it. Did I can't prefer, picture it. I I we literally to, got to we got a full blown like shot of her legs as her panties fall down. A full blown shot of her ass as she like squats into the litter block. Okay, someone no, in the like, studio animated that, Jerry. Someone like, drew that. Grown man got paid to draw <laughs> this and animate. Let this. me ask y'all something though. Okay. Earlier, earlier in the show, the vampire had her titties out, and she just walked around, and they just didn't draw the nipples. But yeah. for some reason, Talarna, we have to like white out her vagina. Like, yeah, vaginas are worse than titties, Kenny. But I'm saying that the, oh. the titties didn't have any. Like, there, there were no titties drawn on there. That's what I'm saying. Okay, we white out. Vampires just don't have nipples. What yeah. if she had like a little Barbie doll, you know, look under there? I. Kenny, come on, man. You know that Japan, they, they're okay with titties on TV. They aren't okay with vagina. That's like, the, they draw the line. You can have as much yeah, titty no as dicks, you want. No, no dicks. Yeah, dicks are blurred no out. Dicks, no, dicks, no vagina, just titties. Uh, also, <laughs> Kenny, you said that there's no shit in anime. There's shit in JoJo's. There is. Uh, I, do, I do always have to forget. JoJo's was our adventure. Kakuin baby diaper, to a baby. Baby diaper, dude. Um, oh, Hell my yeah. God, that's so nasty. Um, but yeah, I think that that was the sort of the like the one thing I didn't love about it. And I'll admit the rest of the plotting is not, it wasn't great. I mean, you've got some really cool action sequences. The characters have good yeah. motivation. Um, but overall it's just a simple, it's, it was very straightforward. Um, it was a really straightforward show. It's a buddy cop show. Yeah. They do some fun stuff. Um, 
A fun I mean, this type of show is know? like it's like the perfect recipe for like they can literally do anything. A plot yeah. could be anything with this type of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, that and that works for a light novel, I bet. But okay, boys, I I think we actually touched on everything in this show. Yeah. There's not much else. Yeah, pretty simple. Honestly, show. boys, uh, any other closing thoughts on Copcraft? I will say okay, no. That's my really closing, it. <laughs> my only closing thought is that if you're bored, you want to watch a buddy cop show with a little bit of anime etchy snuck in. Give it a shot. It wasn't boring. It was a little bit poorly paced. Kenny mentioned that in the beginning. Um, yeah. You know, it had some pacing issues. It had some s- sticky animation. Um, but the dialogue was overall pretty good with a couple really good scenes. The action and fighting yeah. sequences, pretty well done. Cool. Uh, and some of the plots were, they were fun. None of them were like lame or boring. I liked that the, the character of Zlata, his motivation was cool. Uh, I liked Talarna and I liked Kay. They were fun to watch. The side characters were not boring. They all seemed interesting and seemed pretty fleshed out. Um, so you've got a pretty good little tight plot. And, and also it feels wrapped up, even if it really isn't. It, they tap. They did a good job of like wrapping up that one story arc uh, that they started at the beginning in the end of it. So good little twelve yeah. episode package. You can kind of watch in an evening or two, um, and not not a bad little show. So, all right, boys. I, th- I think I think one thing that I'll mention that I'll just echo that you mentioned, Jerry, is mm-hmm. that the the dialogue, especially so with today's you know with with what's happening in the world, with what's happening in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, the show echoed a lot of similar similar things that were happening, like like riots, yeah. um, oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of a lot of race relations, uh, using some some uh, Samanians as a as a uh, as a metaphor. substitute for yeah. right as a metaphor for um, racial unrest, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the conversations that Kay and Talania had, um, just a just a lot of random characters in the in the show had. Um, they're all uh, they were really well done conversations. It also like the part at the end where the cop. So there was a scene where one of the cops in the station says like like oh, yeah. damn alien or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then K K like turns around and is like what did you say and like calls him out on it, which mm-hmm. is you know an example of what people have been telling other people to do more nowadays of like, if you see something that's wrong, do something about it. Mm-hmm. So we see that happening from K, which is like a big character um, progression for him to, to do that. And then the same cop at the end of the show is like, Hey, I'm so sorry. We don't like, it's kind of like off screen. We don't hear their conversation, but he basically apologizes to her for what he said. Yeah. And so, so that whole like little, you know, arc within itself, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's very relatable to what's yeah. happening now, and to what's been happening. So I think, and it's twelve episodes. It's a really easy binge. I would recommend watching it. Um. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. boys, let's give it our rank out of ten. What are we doing? What are we doing? Count us down, David. Three, two, one. Oh, give it six. We all, do we six. all gave it six. Ah, yep. hot shit, boys. Yeah, I think this is yep. the per- this is a perfect six to me. Like it's just yep. above yep. average. Like it yep. is just above average. The Pretty music, good. the music and the animation. The music is really good. The actually. music and the animation help the elevate really it. Some of, really some of the dialogue help elevate it, but it's a pretty simple plot and nothing that you're gonna really. I, I can't see myself being like going out of my way to buy a Talarna. You might. Some viewers might go buy a Talarna figure because they think she's the new waifu, but 
they really tried hard to make her that, but yeah, it, you know, it's a six. This is Kalarna Exadelica. Exadel- yeah, go look her up. You're gonna fall in love if you watch Copcraft. I will admit, oh, she was my waifu from the show. I did like her the best. She's a waifu. Cecil was cool. Cecil she was, was the cool. waifu. Cecil was cool and cute. I thought she was cool. I like uh, Cecil. Kay's ex, and um, and uh, the two girls that work at the place were fine. Um, I guess to an extent. I'm trying. I've- do you remember the like? Uh, I guess they were like prostitutes. That the prostitute that got killed. She was kind of cool. She took yeah. pictures. Zoe. Um, yeah. Zoe. Zoe was pretty cool. The vampire lady. She had nice tits. Um, I'm just, she was. She was. I'm a trying good, to think. There's like not that many vampire. like waifus in this yeah. show. So I guess they wanted us to love. Talarna. I guess it, it has to be Talarna. They want you to love yeah. Talarna. So they wanted yeah, us she, to love Talarna. It was designed to make you fall in love with her. So it it works kind of. So. There you go. Six out of ten. Perfect perfect little right above average type of uh, show. All right. Let's jump in. Uh, no, let's no breaks. So we did no it breaks. again, boys. After last week's Your Name, we decided to do another anime film this week. Just so give us a little break from doing long shows. We want to just do another Holy film. Holy fucking shit. Film. So we decided this to watch movie. the film A Silent Voice, which is actually an adaptation of a manga series. Uh, that mm-hmm. came out quite a few years ago, but it, as, it, it adapts the whole series, give or take, correct uh, into an anime film. The film is actually pretty long, like two hours and ten minutes, so it's a pretty long movie. Yep, it's not yep. short. Um, but yeah, it's available on Netflix. I believe it came out in sixteen. Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong. 2016, 2017. something like that. Yeah. A yep. silent voice. So if you haven't seen it, check it out now. I'm gonna go ahead and say that with Copcraft, you can listen to our review and then go watch the show. With this, yep. I'm gonna go ahead and encourage you to go watch the sh- watch the movie. And come back and listen to our, our discussion on it. Because this yes. movie was very impactful. Very strong movie. Just like Your Name. Another really popular movie from that exact same time that Your Name came out. Um, go watch it first. And then come back and listen to us uh, talk about it. Because it, it really well done film. Um, but Kenny, mm-hmm. give us our synopsis. So, A Silent Voice. And this this might be a little long. Because you do have to get a lot of plot no, points just together. Be, you, you can be short. Don't go, don't go too far. Um, a Silent Voice is about a young man named Shoya Ishida. And he goes to an elementary school and a girl transfers in and actually starts, um, the movie starts in the future, but then we backtrack. But um, a young girl transfers in who is deaf. She cannot hear. And uh, it sort of sort of starts to put pressure on some of the kids in his class because they're all elementary schoolers and they don't sort of, you know, understand that you know obviously if she can't hear whatever he's saying to open to these pages or this and that and um around Ishida some of his friends start to get a little upset I think that there's a small tension that builds and then he starts to bully this girl he starts to sort of make her the butt of the joke as to lighten his classroom mood it's almost like you see him see his classmates um like upset and so he makes her the butt of the joke and then he gets totally called out by his teacher and the principal and then all of his classmates turn on him he becomes the kid that gets bullied and he totally takes it exactly how she was getting it and then we uh she transfers away um he stops being friends with the people that he's friends with and sort of falls on this secluded lifestyle and eventually decides he's going to kill himself. Um, and before he does that, he has one last meeting. He decides that he's going to find her and apologize. 
And then he sort of doesn't kill himself. He sort of finds this new page to turn, this, you know, this new future for himself. And so the movie is kind of about his bullying and being him being a bully as well as him getting bullied and dealing with that. And, um, he has this sort of intense anxiety uh, later on in the movie. And as he's, a, as he's an adult, obviously not whenever he's in elementary school, but he has this sort of intense anxiety that he can't look at other people. He can't look them in the eye. And they put these X's over people's faces because he's nervous to be able to see them as other people. And so it's a super beautiful movie. Um, please watch it. We are going to spoil it. We are going to talk about the climax and what happens near the end of the movie. Um, but it's, it's a great movie and it's a good look bullying and sort of being bully and being a bully and how easy you can sort of fall into that trap where you're, you're not the nice guy. You're not the nice kid, even though you're making a joke that's negative and it affects somebody negatively. Um, and I think it, it does a really good job of going into that and mm -hmm. understanding where where he came from because he's just a kid, you know. He he didn't he didn't understand sort of the the adverse effects that he was having um, until he became much older. And mm -hmm. I think that and it's sort of his first, as most young adults have, it's their first sort of existential crisis with who they are as people, who you are as a human. Um, super good movie, a lot of really cool characters, um, but also like you're gonna cry. So I don't know. Yeah, I I definitely like holy shit. I I, I wish you guys watched the dub. I feel like it probably would have been much more impactful because maybe. the I, I don't know. I'm curious. Maybe maybe I I think the try sub, it out. The sub wrecked me, dude. Um, oh, yeah. I the holy shit. Okay, so so this movie. Like the, the I would give like the so the main theme of this movie is forgiveness. So yeah. show is like Shoya is like he he uh, you know was a kid bullied thinking it was cool and then he ended up being the target of bullying and like the his just look his expression is just like he's like so timid, which was interesting because when you see him as as a kid like while he's bullying he's like so like outspoken and he's like rambunctious. like the center of attention he's rambunctious and like the second um the bullying is affecting him and it carries i mean you see the effect that that had on him carrying into his adult years because he's like like as kenny was saying he doesn't look people in the eyes so all the people that he doesn't look into the eyes have an x over their face basically everybody except for the few friends that he makes and the it's holy shit this okay this movie is so fucking sad so and i can i think you mentioned this i was kind of spacing it out because i was like remembering the movie and it was like about to cry again but i had to take a break the I, I, yeah holy shit okay but so shoyo the so so do they share the same name shoyo shoyo and shoko Shoko, Shoko. Yeah. but they both Shoko, they, right. so yeah, their nickname it's right from the open, the, and then they say, "Oh, we both they both go by Shochan." Yeah, yeah. So like, um, we have two shows in the class now. Yeah, um, yeah. But Shoka is is deaf, so she obviously has trouble hearing. 
And there are many times in the movies where she attempts to speak, but it's very hard to understand her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's the reason why she's the target of bullying from from Shoya, because mm-hmm. he, the kids think it's a cool thing to do. And kids target uh, things that are different than them. If you, I mean, there's sort yeah. of a natural instinct, like kids target things, people, things that are different or that stand out and. That's what Shoko yeah. kind of represents. Uh, Nishimiya is that her first name, Kenny? Yeah, Shoko Nishimiya. Nishimiya, yeah. Nishimiya. Her first name. Her first name is Shoko. Shoko, sorry, yeah. Nishimiya yeah. is her last name. The Nishimiya family. Shoko. But yeah, David, go on. Shoko Shoya. I just I keep getting their names. Yeah. You call them Nishimiya but, um, or Ishida too. Yeah, their last Nishimiya, names are Nishimiya and Ishida. Nishimiya Ishida. I will do that. So so Nishimiya, such a fucking adorable person, kid, yeah. just kind soul um despite her getting bullied while she's a kid you know she still wants to be friends with ishida and i think all the kids uh primarily ishida and um another girl who also does a good amount of bullying to her yeah. are no. jealous of Ueno. yeah U- ueno ueno i hated her dude yeah yeah she's she's awful person she's Violent. basically just super jealous of what uh, Nishimiya um, has in terms of attention. She's like, basically, this girl who bullies her is like, why do you get all this attention? Like, why do we have to make all these sacrifices for to be like for it to be easier for you? You don't know what I'm going through. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. She's a piece of shit. Yeah. And but it, in the manga, it shows a little more, and it gives it. And I think that Ueno and and Kwai are sort of they aren't full on bullies, right? They aren't doing what Ishida was doing. But they're definitely as complacent as possible. No, Ueno is definitely a full-on bully. Full what did, what, they're literal. The, there's a scene. She she kid, pulled out her hearing aids multiple out. times. Yeah, multiple. She did that late. That was no, after no, no, they she already did it hated kid. She did it as a no, kid. She, as a kid. She, no, she asked for it and then she throws it to Ishida. She does. You're right. She didn't yank it out of her hand. Right. She he, yanked it out of her hand though. Yeah, she did do. But he she he yanked it and out of her and then threw ear. it to Ishida. He did, and that's when he hurt her. He got the cut. Ueno yeah. is a full blown bully. Like, there's yeah. no, there was no Just redemption as much as, for her. I mean, they they all bullied that yeah, girl. They all were. Well, Kawhi is, but, too, but 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 Ishida and the other girl U- Uya, whoever Ueno, her name is, Ueno like is, were the two primary. I don't think bullies. there was a single moment between Uno and her that was not Uno bullying Nishimiya. Like, yeah, there's not a single like genuine like. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no redemption for Ueno, at least in the film. Maybe the movie or the book did something, but in the film, Ueno, right to the very end, in the scenes where she's like, I still just can't like her. Um, Like, legitimately, she's a, just a fucker. I mean, for lack of better words. Like, Ueno has no reason to dislike this woman. She has no reason to think poorly of her, to be mean to her. Um, yeah. And is consistently a fucking bully. But that's yeah. just my perspective. Kenny, what are you saying, though? They are a more realistic look at what a bully looks like in our world. Like people aren't as outwardly abusive and mean, sort of like that. Like Ishida was. People are more like Kawhi and Ueno, where they talk about them behind their back. They intentionally leave them out and make them feel uncomfortable. They, you know, they do things to negatively impact people, but they don't do them directly. Yeah. And I think that, that yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of like, and I obviously I wasn't a part of of this growing up, so I don't know how it really works. But like with with girl groups, 
it is a lot of like gossip that happens and you know he says she said word spreads around the school and then all of a sudden everyone thinks this thing that isn't true mm-hmm. yep. about a person we see that a lot when when they're kids there so there's a girl who steps up which i thought was a boy at first so that was like when i saw that she was a girl i was like oh sarah 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 yeah yeah so there's a person that steps up and it's like i'll um you know i'll learn sign language i'll be the person to you know learn that so i can help you know communicate with uh nishimiya and Mm -hmm. you know communicate for her or whatever and then that person is then ostracized by uh oa and other people with Mm -hmm. other girls within the class and I mean, that first part of the movie just shows you how fucking toxic children can be, yep. for whatever reason that may be for. But um, that and they instantly know. turn on the like sort of their their best friend. They they turn on Ishida as as yeah, like the job as, of a dime. Yeah, yeah. As as they were mean to Nishimiya for no reason, they were equally mm. as mean and terrible to Ishida in yep. just a, a a flip, like. Yeah. yeah, the power of social isolation and some of that stuff. I think that one thing about this film is that I would argue it's one of the most visceral uh, interpretations of childhood mental health issues um, of of our time. I, I don't know if I've watched a live action or animated film that better illustrates the impact of childhood mental health uh than this than this story did i think that it does such a great job of because mm-hmm. a majority of the time when you're a kid i think that we we parents are less likely to support mental health issues and that's why you see upticks in childhood suicide things like that and i think that this film is a very visceral i'm gonna i mean i'll say it right now trigger warning as hell like when you're watching this movie because there are like mm-hmm. multiple on-screen attempted suicides um which is like if you're not ready for that going into this movie, like just just prep yourself for that because, um, yeah, you have to be mentally in a good place to be able to watch that because it's visceral. It's not uh, they don't really hide it in the movie that the two main characters are are openly suicidal is the word that I would use. Yeah. Um, Ishida and Ishimiya are openly openly suicidal, and that's something that just isn't done well. It's not done well in movie or films. It- in ever, I, I don't think that it ever is done well, and I think this movie somehow did it well. Uh, did it yeah. in a way that felt uh, it did not feel like it was fetishizing suicide in any way. It didn't feel like it was um, overplaying it. I felt like it was it it, it managed it in a very just uh, just a very visceral way. And yeah, I mean, I I was this is the type of film that I didn't just cry at the end like I did with your name. This is a movie that I was just like constantly in tears. Like there was like multiple scenes that would just make you lose it. I mean, guys, like I cannot, I couldn't talk. Like when, when uh, Nishimiya's uh, sister comes over with the footage from the Ferris wheel. And I was Mm -hmm. like, so just deeply sobbing as Nishimiya is on that Ferris wheel and she, you know, Uno's like, you know, I hate you. You hate me. Like that's just the way it fucking is. Um, and she's trying to say, you know, I, I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I hate myself. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah, Jesus Christ. I was like, what? Like, what do these people like? When you're 18, 
your social circle and your school life is is so big and this sh movie makes that feeling come back to you and it's like when you're an adult you realize like oh my problems were petty in high school or whatever yeah or my problems were petty in elementary school you, you your your world for you grows but uh this this movie just does such a great job showing the gravity in the way that we feel in those moments the way that we feel in those yeah. moments yeah. where we thought things were really big but geez and yeah. i like that i like that shoko and shoya both they were suicidal for very different reasons mm -hmm. you know Shoko, which I think that you know Very a lot of reason, people, some but they both hate themselves. I think that was something that was like yeah a theme. They, they that was like also common. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like you know Shoko felt as though it, the world would be better off without her, and Shoya felt as though he was paying repentance, like he he was not deserving of the life he was given. Yeah. yeah. And those are both two very very deep uh, existential questions, you know, and it was. So I don't know. It was so well told to us. Jeez. Uh, so well shown to us, um, man. But some of those scenes. Okay, the scene. This is the scene that always gets me, no matter what. I read the manga. I've seen the movie twice now. The scene where uh, Ishida's mom comes out of the. She's in the hospital. She meets up with Yuzuru, and Shoko's mom and Yuzuru get on the ground and bow to her and just apologize and apologize yeah. and apologize and. And he's like, and I love his mom out of any character in the movie is just a breath of fresh air. She's so wonderful. Whenever she, yeah, yeah. whenever mm -hmm. she's like, why would I, why would I spend the money that you saved up to kill yourself with? Why would I, why would you ever do that to me? Why would you tear your calendar like that? What are you thinking? Tell, and she's like, tell me never, ever, ever again you will do that. It's so, She's such a considerate and caring soul, and it sucks because it it sort of shows that they're a poor family, and she really had to work had to work all the time, and she obviously had two kids, and you don't see a lot of his sister at all. So you you see how yeah. Ichida sort of sort of after he disconnected from his friends at school, and his mom couldn't be around all the time, and his sister really wasn't around to begin with. He just sort of was trapped within who he was, mm -hmm. and it's so powerful that, you know, and I, I do think that since we, it's easier to see the perspective of, of Isha because obviously a lot of us are not deaf. I don't understand the, the same sort of, I don't know, mental, those sort of issues as, as somebody that is deaf because I'm not, yeah, but Isha is the main because, character and it's intentional yeah. because you can relate to him. Um, and, he relates to his experience in in learning about Nishimiya's experience, and in, in you can yeah. mm -hmm. you can put yourself in Ishida's shoes and say, "Wow!" And mm -hmm. I I think that that's where the power comes from in some of this film. Finishing thought, yeah. Well, another just really endearing part about Ishida and his mom, and is that he whenever he meets back up with Shoko, he he knows sign language like straight up. He's Solid. fully. Yeah. He fully knows that. it. He he's like, yeah, I, I learned it. Like what he, you know, as somebody who we got introduced to as this rambunctious kid, you sort of don't assume that he's not like he's not well studied, and it doesn't ever lean into those issues ever, like with his studies. But he is he did shitty things, but he is a good person. 
-hmm. And a lot of, you know, it wasn't even, I love, I love the scene with user where he's like, are you here for, are you here for her or are you here for yourself? And he's like, I, I I don't know. I don't know what a friend is. I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. and whenever he starts meeting up with Nagatsuka and I don't know, he's just so, I love that he has a, he has a questioning sort of sense of reality where it's like, I, I don't know the answer, but I, I want to find out and I want to know more. And God, I think, I think, I think a really interesting thing is, um, that's very, I'm sure that was relatable to both of you was super relatable to me is that, you know, kids do shitty things and those shitty things, you don't really register them being shitty until obviously like in the moment you're being scolded and told like that was shitty or you're much older and you think back to it and you're like, damn, that was really shitty. Yeah. And so in, in this, in this movie, Ishida does a very shitty thing and he's, you know, he is told early that it was a very shitty thing. His, his mom pays a price for it. That was like really, I don't know, like if it's like a traditional or customary thing or whatever, if like you have a shitty kid that, the parent of the kid that was bullied pulls an earring out of your ear. I don't, I don't know what that was about. Well, do you guys oh, remember that oh, scene? That, oh, it's supposed to be a scar. Sorry, it's not really talk. It's it's more clear in the manga, but uh, Nishimiya gets a scar from uh, Shoyo pulling her her hearing aid out, whatever she bleeds, and so his mom mirrors her intentionally and gives herself a scar on her ear, just like oh. Nishimiya does, and she. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's paying for the hearing aid. Yeah, she's paying for um, the broken hearing aid. Right. Yeah. Right. Right, yeah, I remember that. I couldn't yeah. tell the way that the scene was structured. I couldn't tell if uh Nishimiya's mom like pulled out her earring for like you know, like this is what happened to my daughter now this is happening to you type thing. I don't know. No. Yeah. But um it was just to show like that solidarity because um, yeah. and that's why whenever she she puts her hair mm. in a ponytail, she she wore her hair down because she has the scar in her ear and she Right. You know, they there were effects on her, you know, as a, as a, you know, visibly. And so her, Ishida's mom, once again, maybe the best character in the movie. Something that was really great woman. underscored yeah. that I loved about this film also is that uh, Nishimiya and Ishida are both uh, from single parent homes. Which yeah. I think that they just let mm-hmm. that, that really didn't have a huge thematic impact, but it was just sort of, I think it's representative of a lot of people in the world. Uh, that have yeah. come from single yeah. parent holds. I thought that was a really powerful thing to just sort of have in there as like not a, you know, it wasn't it wasn't front and center really, but it was something that was there as sort of a reminder of the experiences that people have. Um, but overall, and the, time, oh, the less can... time you get with get with your parents, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I think that Ishida's Ishida's uh, suicidal tendencies and thoughts came directly from the fact that he was not connected to other people. Yeah. After he got he got disconnected from his friends, he didn't have others to be around at home because yeah, nobody. he always had to work. And yeah, and I think that it, it's similar with Shoko how she may have her younger sister and she's connected to her. It's you know there's not a secondary parental influence. There's not you know that sort of that sort of scenario. And I think that after I I. After their grandma passes, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that, that sort of that was out of left field for me. I didn't expect that. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was random for me too. I, I yeah. thought it was a cool, a, a cool developmental piece for Nits. I think to get Nishimiya to the end scene where she yeah. tries to jump, it was actually kind of integral that that happened. Yeah, but I don't know if it. Um, yeah, it worked really well. As well, all I'm saying, it was really kind of out of the field, but it it worked for a character that was pretty minor. The grandma, you still felt yeah. the, the impact of it, and um, yeah, pretty impressive. But yeah. um, okay, okay. So we're I think we've just about tore the plot and the content apart. I think that's really good. Um, the only two thing I, I want to say, and you guys both touched on it a little bit, so I won't go too much detail. Forgiveness and perspective. That's what these mo- this movie was about mm-hmm. at the core of it. This is a mm-hmm. plot about forgiveness and perspective, which I think the author, uh, I can't assume what the author was trying to accomplish, but I, I would assume that they may have felt like the world is lacking of forgiveness and perspective. They decided to use this, this story to tell that uh, in, in a way that maybe could help gain, uh, at least for viewers, gain some of that, uh, some of that insight that they had there. And I think that, uh, from the forgiveness front, um, it's this idea that in the current day and age, it's really easy to look at something someone has done in the past and to think that that is who they are forever. I think that they that we, especially yep. in the modern uh, cancel culture era of of the Internet, we say, oh, my gosh, that guy tweeted something really vile 10 years ago. They can never do anything right ever again. And ishida's character actually is living that experience he is in real life canceled uh by everyone in his class for forever right and that's how he feels at least that he feels like his whole life has been canceled uh because of his actions as a kid um and he feels like uh no matter the impact or effort he does to get better no one will ever see him as more than that uh but Mm -hmm. the storyline leads us to see that that's not the case ishida has at the beginning of the film, I thought Ishida was going to be irredeemable. I went into it going, oh, wow, he really is a crappy person. The rest of the film proved me wrong. He's a character that has grown exponentially, has learned from his mistakes, and become a better person because of it. This is something that we as a world, as a society, have to learn to do better on. I think that the author was trying mm-hmm. to get get us there. I think that the author of the story was trying to say, hey, look, this is the way I see things. I think it was a really valid and a really powerful point from this film. Everyone should look at that and go, hmm. I see that, or uh, there's something there. Ishida is a person who did bad things, but can still be a good person. Kitty nailed that line. Still be mm-hmm. a good person, mm-hmm. and is a good person that has done some bad things. Um, and there are other characters there that have also done some pretty vile things. Kawhi is really tough for me to feel redemption towards. I think she is so self-centered, egotistical. She had so many moments where I was like, this bitch does not see... She she, yeah, think she she did, did the, the classic wrong. white girl tears is yeah. what I would call it. Oh well, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the scene on, on the bridge where he tears, just, dude. Where, where, Frog, where yeah. he, bar, he literally barbs oh every person God. there with just one sentence. Yes, like, dude. What did he say to Kawhi? He said, Kawhi, shut your mouth or something like that. <laughs> he said, shut your mouth. You're so self-centered and you only care about yourself. Yes, dude. She is an egotistical. And, she's the one character I struggle. Her and Ueno, I really struggle because this show is about I can tell she was genuine. This film is about redemption. It's about being able to be to be to live past our mistakes and to become better. Mm-hmm. But uh this movie is about that. Uh but those two characters, I don't know if they made it to the other side by the end, which I don't know if the author needed them to. I think they need they we needed yeah. to have some characters that were still learning and growing, some characters that did learn mm-hmm. and grow. 
And I think that that yeah. provided some brevity in the cast, uh, especially. The second thing is this: uh, the theme of um, Jesus. What did I say? Perspective. Okay, so that's oh my gosh. Uh, David mentioned it like right out of his mouth from the first time he started talking. But this is a film about perspective, like at its core. Um, we have two characters, some differences, some similarities, uh, but some pretty key differences about the way that they live in the world. And uh, they both hate themselves. They both want to kill themselves. They both think, don't think they belong by the end of the movie. They both find purpose and reason in their lives for different reasons. <laughs> and uh, it's the ability to pers- to see through the eyes of those empathy, to have empathy towards other human beings that gets us there. Uh, the character of, what was his name? The chubby guy. Uh, Nagatsuka. 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 Another great perspective-carrying character that uh, provided mm-hmm. some, some, some perspective for us uh, as an audience, but then also for Ishida to live through. Really great moment. I think that those two themes are incredibly well-written here, and uh, there's not a single wasted line of dialogue in this movie either. Um, it is it is a very effectively dialogue-heavy and dialogue intentionally dialogue-heavy film because these are yeah. characters living in a very real world, a very reality-based mm-hmm. world. This is There is no supernatural at play in this movie. There's nothing supernatural. This is an incredibly real film. I, I, don't, I think I was expecting yep. a bit of an anime goofiness or some sort of supernatural element, but not at all. This is rooted in pure reality right down to the final scenes um, where they jump over the edge. You know, they're not saved by some mystical force. Mm. Uh, he falls and goes into a fucking coma. And, yep. um, and he, he genuinely almost, almost dies. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the way things would happen. Yeah, this could be a live action. I like, love the uh, yeah. I I love that scene too because he one she didn't hear him because of the fireworks, right? Yeah, like she can she can hear slightly, right? She has hearing aids and can hear yeah. things, but isn't great. And then whenever he says just just today, just one more ounce of strength, one you know, give me just. A little bit more, a little bit more. God, God, God. You know, I'll start tomorrow. I swear to you, I'll, I'll make things right and I'll do better. And and I love, I love that scene because then, as soon as he tries to follow through on those promises, he's like, "This is much harder than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is painful for me, even still. After I, you know, I begged and I pleaded to save my friend's life, I still." feel uncomfortable i still am not capable of apologizing the way i want to and you know he he had a a very true moment of dread and grief before you know because he wanted to save his his good friend and he still couldn't overcome everything that was inside and it took his friends and i love the scene in the bathroom with nagatsuko whenever he finally goes back to school and he's like i heard you were in here and i love you and I miss you and I can't, you know, I'm so happy to see you and be here with you. And you're like, Nagatsuka, you are just so, so nice and considerate of, of him. And it's, you know, and it takes, it takes that help or whenever he tells Nishimiya like, Hey, I, I have, I have trouble looking at people in the eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I'll just, I'll walk for you. You just, you know, and he's like, okay, I can, I can do it actually. Like, because he becomes embarrassed, he, he's capable of pushing past, you know, what, what his comfortability is. And mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. woof, y'all like, ah, like this movie, I'm saying it right now. The fanboys can fight me. I liked this movie better than your name. Better than your name. Yep. I did too. I think it was a better movie. I did too. I think it was better plotting. I think it was better writing. I think I actually think it was better animation. Uh, I, I, fight me. 
I think that it was, mm. I think it was good. I think it was just such a great movie. And I, I, yeah, yeah. I genuinely think it was a better plotted film than your name. Uh, your name's fun. It's fantastical. It's got, you know, we, we talked about it. It's a masterpiece. This was jarring, gripping, visceral, um, dark, uh, a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm okay with that. Like <laughs> I walked away yeah. going like, yeah. I, the, I needed to cry like a baby for two hours. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And Jesus this was this was died. like much more much more emotionally charged than your name. I yeah. think this was the yeah. first time, if probably the first time ever, that I not only was close to sobbing, but like my chest hurt after watching it because yeah. I was like trying not to sob. Yeah, um, that's just like how powerfully how powerful the emotion was in the movie. Oh my god! And and like I I mean I don't know anyone that's deaf or I don't know if you guys know anyone that's deaf, no. but like no. but like like you were like we were saying earlier, it, like we live that through Ishida, mm-hmm. of yeah. like how how we would handle that situation, how, like what that experience would be like, and and just like seeing what Nishimiya went through her throughout her life, and like the the very end where you know she tries to commit suicide because she sees herself as unimportant or like as a burden in everyone else's life. It's just so mm-hmm. movie. So fucking sad. So, fucking so, sad. Fucking. so, fucking so fucking I, sad, y'all. I, I, okay. This is something I only noticed now on my second watch through after reading the manga and everything. There are three times where Ishida and Shoko almost clasp hands and they just don't, they barely miss. And it's like, it's almost like it intentionally shows us that they're not quite there. They're not quite connected. They're not quite at the level that, uh-huh. you know, of he understanding and, skinny, fu- he her. and finally he, he grabs her hand. He catches yeah. her. Shit. And it's like, damn, that's a good catch. I caught it once. Now that you say that one of the scenes, yeah. they almost clasped hands. I can't think of the, yeah, other they, they almost on sort the, of, yeah. Um, uh, when they're standing on the bridge, uh, before yeah. she jumps in the water, there's I, Jumped, rem- yep. I I like clearly remember that almost t- them almost touching hands yep. on that scene, but I can't think of the other ones. But that's a good that's a good catch. Um, and obviously, a lot of jumping off of things occurs. And guys, yeah, you know. Okay, so mm-hmm. I <laughs> we did it with your name, but I guess like do I don't know the animation, art, pacing, uh, just all fire, right? Like we and- I mean. <laughs> well, Dave's uh, like, I'm already ready. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, uh, are like, we, uh, yes? It's not a surprise. It's, it's a one more, This was good. One more final thought on the movie. Yes. Um, yes. I love what they did in the absence of dialogue. So often, the absence of dialogue was more important than having words happening. And I think that if you can do that in a movie... It's really something special. If you can do that in a TV series, or if I am totally enthralled and there is absolutely nothing being said, just what is being communicated with the characters' faces and what's going on in a scene, that's really good storytelling. Um, and I really appreciated it in this movie. The absence of dialogue in so many scenes, especially to sort of obviously mirror the fact that you know, Shoko is deaf and she can't hear things. Um, but off, sometimes there were there was more we could learn from not hearing things than there was from hearing things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a great a great way of 
telling this story in particular, it's telling stories in general through the visual medium. Mm -hmm. uh, communicating without words is really, really special. And obviously the line that the movie leaves us on, what is the color of voice? And, you know, and coming to that understanding. And I think that what you, the perspective thing and coming to the perspective of what somebody else views as the color of what a voice is, that's important. And coming to understanding each other as individuals, as, you know, people is important. Yeah. Something that we didn't mention that I want to bring attention to the animation of the, they, so how they animated the signing mm -hmm. was so cool. I don't know sign language, but like yeah, they actually right. animated the, the signing. Language. I wonder if it yeah. was like, partially rotoscoped. I couldn't tell. Um, but I wonder if they use some rotoscoping where, where you, uh, you is that like mocap? Yeah, yeah. You see, so like, record someone doing it, and then you draw over the you draw yeah. over it with animation cells. Oh. So I'm curious if they use some of that for this. I'm not sure. Probably. Um, I, I I'd imagine they were because it looked very good. They the the sign yeah. looked really really good. Um. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they use some of that. Uh. And the only other last thing is one of the uses of music because Kenny mentioned it. Uh, God, we could probably gush about this movie for a lot longer. We've already talked about it for almost an hour. Um. So, it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, it's a great movie. This is, uh, yeah, the shoot, the music. When something really emotional happens, there's a scene. I, I'll never forget this. They use the music, and there's feedback intentionally planted in the music as if her hearing aids are being stuttered by her um, by her emotions. And I yeah. I lost it. I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's, that, that's intentional. And you could notice the, there were these, kind of like breaks in the in the music and i was like whoa like what a strange yeah. small thing that like i almost missed as i was watching it but i i caught it and i was like this is crazy like this like nobody pays as much attention to the layers between the music the animation the dialogue um all coming together to paint this picture uh it's such a realistic and, and beautiful picture that it painted so um okay scores 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10. This is, a, this is a perfect. the first perfect cast to give. Amazing. There's, this, if there's yeah. one anime movie you got to go sit down, put your phone off, and watch. Your Name Was Great, 9 out of 10 for me, but 10 out of 10 for some people here. Another, Your Name Was Great. It's a great movie, and you have to watch it. A Silent Voice is maybe one of the more important pieces of like anime literature I've seen in a long time. And I, yeah. I, I can't I can't, I, I can't express it enough. I'm, I'm like wordless. I put my phone down at the beginning of this film, fully expecting to check it halfway through, and I didn't pick my phone back up until the closing scene, essentially, till the finale. Um, well, I mean, yeah. like the the wrap up scene. You know, I, I couldn't put my I couldn't be pulled away from this movie. It was um, it's captivating, it's visceral, it's emotional, it's it's a wild ride. Um, ten out of ten from the boys here at the Uncensored Anime Podcast. Yeah. You got to go watch this shit. You got to see this. <laughs> you got to go watch it's this. It's a great. You got to go. Although I will say. The whole movie, I seriously thought the sister was made up, and that his mom, <laughs> his mom had like a bastard child with that, nah. with that guy. Uh, the whole movie, I, I was like, yeah. oh, are they just lying? Are they just messing around? It, I was it, like, it was weird because was they like, like showed him mom. like. Wait, it, yeah. it was weird because they they sh they showed him in like the opening the like, montage, uh, montage. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Is and he, the they, they don't show up against like, like well, halfway or so, like two thirds so of the way. Here, in. let me give you some manga like, insight. Okay. 
him and his sister have a disconnected relationship. She got pregnant whenever she was 17 and had Maria. Um, mainly, so the, the reason that that's such a disconnect is, I guess, one of her early boyfriends, like, uh, he, like, beat the shit out of Shoya after she broke up with him. Like, like, out of in anger. The in the manga, he, like, he, likes get the, he gets the shit beat out of him by one of her ex-boyfriends. Whoa. And so it's like, there's sort of this divide Damn. that occurs between him and his sister. And I like that Pedro and Maria are more important characters than his sister is because they're, uh, I, he has a little bit more of an interaction with Pedro in the manga. Um, and it's just like they're, he's more connected to those people than he is to his own sister. Right. And, you know, and also in the manga, there's a, a brief epilogue. Um, the last six or seven chapters or epilogue chapters. Um, it does go into a little more detail about each of the characters, it, and it gives us a lot more inside of Ishida's head, which I don't know if... I think that it's good knowledge to have, and both mediums are, I think, two separate things altogether. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to disconnect them uh, because it sort of tells a different... a little bit of a different story in the manga. Um, yeah. Because we no. get what's inside of his head. It, whenever he meets Shoko, he, he calls her an alien. Not, not of this earth, and how do I understand, you know, there's no way I can understand this alien who's invading our classroom, which we sort of see, but it's not that clear, and I think that, you know. Right. And we get a lot more of the uh, the other characters. Um, the the red-haired boy, Kawhi's friend, he, he gets more screen time. He doesn't get very much in the movie. Uh, Sahara. He just comes out of nowhere. She gets a lot more screen time in the in the manga, and each of them sort of, you know, uh, it, it sort of tells about what they want to do and the careers they're interested in. And yeah, I honestly think this this is movie... a coming. Oh, Kenny, finish your thought. It I'm just this is a coming of age story for every character, not just yeah. not just Ishida. And I I really you know I really appreciated that. And they're all supposed to be like seniors in high school. They're not yeah. As in most anime, they're not freshmen or anything. They're What's, seniors in high school. They're about to be. Nishimiya just turned eighteen. Yeah, they're they're about to graduate. This is their last year. Yeah. Um. Um. Okay. So. I w and honestly, I wonder if the anime is actually just better than the manga overall. I bet it is. I haven't read the manga, but I bet the anime just accomplishes. It's tighter, a little more condensed. The, Maybe we didn't need all that info, but it's the just manga. Funny. The manga is still good. I thought I, I'd was, recommend you read it if check it out. I thought Ishida, like this, the girl was like his little sister from like an illegitimate child that the mom had or something. I thought no, that was Maria. Just funny. Yeah. It was like a funny little thing. The whole time I was like trying to decipher, I was like, what is happening here? Um, okay, beside the point. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I remember we even texted her. We were like, who's that? Who's that girl? Like, who the hell is that? Yeah. Whose like, daughter is happening? that? Um, okay, boys. Uh, Kenny, let's take it home. What's our uh, Unraveled? Okay, this week. Unraveled. So, sometimes Shonen manga just needs to end, okay? And this week we're going to talk about a bit of a weird one. It's called Cage of Eden, okay? Cage of Eden. Uh, a plane crashes on a deserted island, and then you think it's going to be a little Lord of the Flies? No, no, no. Then a prehistoric creature attacks their plane and starts killing people, okay? And so then our characters begin to fight these prehistoric creatures, and there is a Lord of the Flies aspect to it. There are different groups, and they do, you know, they find out how to live on this island, and then, you know, you get... Uh, one of the main characters gets like has internal bleeding, and so 
they have to find this doctor and this doctor because he's a doctor has taken over this huge settlement and is in, like sort of enslaved these people but then it turns out he's not a doctor different guy's a doctor they end up doing the surgery but let me tell you something okay you're, you think this is this weird prehistoric romp, but they've been leaving, leaving these little mysteries and Easter eggs on this. Because this island has these structures that are very much man-made. They think that they flew into the past, but maybe they're not in the past because there are a lot of man-made structures on this island. No, no, no. Guess what? The main character's mom saw the future. They actually went a thousand years into the future, and his mom saw them on this island and had all of these structures created just for them. Because the final structure that they find is a huge apartment complex. And they just start living on the island. I'm not joking. This is how the manga ends. His mom had a future vision of the kids from his class that disappear, that disappeared living on this island. And so she has these structures made for them to habitate this island. And you just are like, what? There's like a... So, because one of the girls on the island is, like, a rich man's daughter, and so then the mom contacts this rich man because his daughter disappeared, and he's like, she's like, listen, I saw the future. They're all going to end up on this island in a thousand years, so we're going to spend all this money to make it for them. And it's just so fucking stupid, and it just makes no sense. I don't—it just— yeah, it sounds that, sounds like a, that sounds like shit. That sounds like absolute. That sounds like a shitty anime loss. It sounds you, like an attempt at at some allegory and some metaphor there that maybe falls a little flat. Is what it sounds like. It just it it made no sense. That's um, wild. Like there's like a there's like a hangar for like planes so. or something. And then so the main marker, the first one they find is like a it's a gravestone for all of the people that are on the island because they thought they died, but nope, they got shipped in the future because. His mom saw the future because she's magic. Wow. There's no magic in this show. Not once is there any magic. Yes, there are prehistoric creatures on here. I don't know why the fuck why. Um, I think they were like testing them or some shit because she saw those creatures in her vision. They had to genetically modify and engineer these creatures to be on the island. Jeez. All right, it, boys. Sometimes That's... shonen anime just needs to end. Cage of Eden's fucking weird. But there are a lot of cool characters and some... And it's, it's only a manga, right? Only a manga. There are some big titties. The main girl... I'm start calling this sometimes shown in manga just needs in, because Kenny doesn't give a rat about anime. He's just about the manga life. Because... Wait, when was this manga made? Mm, I don't like, know. When, when did it run? 2008 to 2013. 2008. Damn. Mm -hmm. um, it's fucking where's weird. Where's the anime? Yeah, where's the anime? Never gonna happen, I'm telling you. I think that manga it's in particular... It's long, dude. It's almost 200 chapters. Yeah, bro. It's a good... It... Honestly, good read, but fuck, bro. What that story makes no sense. <laughs> ran in Kodansha's Weekly Shonen, which is, I believe, where Fairy Tale ran, right? Um, oh. yeah. The main girl's a waifu, though. There's a guy, Yarai, is like yeah, right. he's like the he's like the the bad boy, and he like runs around with the teacher, and he's like the only kid. All these prehistoric creatures cannot be fought. They're fucking huge, fucking monsters. Except Yarai beats their ass sometimes. You're like, what the fuck? This dude just beat the shit out of this. Wait a minute. Dinosaur. I feel like I've read the first few chapters of this manga, actually. It's, it's funny if you have. Um, it's a weird I one. think I have read a first few chapters of it. I should probably... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going like, to read it. I feel like everything I'm that runs, everything that runs it. in Weekly Shonen Magazine, which is like, it's, you know, Kodansha's like little brother version of, of Weekly Shonen Jump to me. 
and people might fight me on that. I think that Weekly Shonen Magazine just doesn't produce anywhere near as many hits. But, you know, Weekly Shonen Magazine is where you get shows like Fairy Tale. Um, did Attack on Titan maybe run in Weekly Shonen? Now I'm off. I'm like, what else ran in here? Um, Seven Deadly Sins is in Weekly Shonen Magazine. Mm. I, I've read a lot of things. Vinland Saga is probably the best thing I've ever heard of to come from Weekly Shonen Magazine. Well, um, Vinland Saga is a monthly. Vinland Saga is fucking beautiful. Vinland Saga might be one of the best. It might be the best historical novel. Oh, you're right. You're right, Cameron. Ever it only ran for its first 25 chapters ran weekly and then moved over to mo- their monthly manga. It's so, better as a monthly. Yeah, me yeah, it probably works better as a seinen too. It looks like it moved from a shonen to a seinen manga. Um, it was All right, boys, should we should we wrap up? We need to wrap yep. up. Yep, let's wrap it up. Okay, so But what are we talking about? Next week, Jerry. Next week. Okay, so guys, we, I, we've been going back and forth. It's my turn to pick the anime for the week. So here's what we're going to do. Because uh, I had some options at hand. We are going to watch My Love Story. We're going to switch gears into a shoujo. We haven't done a shoujo, a full-blown shoujo. Ooh. Technically, Banana Fish was a shoujo. We're going to do a full-blown shoujo. We're going to watch My Love Banana Story. Fish was a shoujo. Technically, <laughs> Banana Fish is a shoujo that had shonen elements. And it's part of what made it mm-hmm. interesting. This is a... My Love Story is a full-blown shoujo. It's all on Crunchyroll, I believe. So if you want to watch it this yep. week before we do our episode next week, go check out My Love Story. Um, we also will probably be covering the first season of The Promised Neverland, depending on if David can finish it in time in tandem. Yes, so, I will. Kenny and I have both yes, watched sir. The Promised Neverland. It's only 12 Read episodes the whole manga. on Crunchyroll. So we'll probably be chatting about that as well next week in tandem with our My Love Story conversation. The Promised Neverland is a hit weekly shonen uh, anime that is coming back actually for a second season early next year and uh just finished up as a manga earlier this year i believe right kenny uh yeah manga just, earlier, up just earlier this year so yeah. it's a really popular series and we would love to talk about the first season because it's a mass uh, uh, uh it, i'm not gonna say my opinion yet it's really it's a good watch um so definitely check that out if you want to chat with us next week boys so that's exciting i'm excited boys story promised everland next week on the uncensored anime podcast uh, other than that, guys, any closing thoughts? Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe to our channel for all of our future episodes. Uh, we appreciate all of the love and support. Yes. We don't. I, I personally don't care if we get 10 views an episode. As long as someone's listening and liking what we say, then hey, bada bing, bada boom, we're doing our job. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely check us out. We're, we are on Instagram and Twitter the uncensored anime podcast we're not on any listening platforms except for we do have the first episode up on soundcloud if you would like to listen to that uh, we hopefully get we'll try to expand us to more audio centric uh places soon but we have not yet so uh thanks so much for checking us out here exclusively on youtube at this point in time we are definitely making this as more of a video podcast since we're doing the video we'd love for you to be checking out the video versions uh, but obviously it's not a necessity so we do want to get some audio versions of our of our podcast out there eventually um very soon so uh, but yeah, other than that, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Um, thanks for being here and, and continuing to check back in, sub up, and comment and like and and participate with us. You know, we love talking about anime, so that's what we do. Um, so, uh, other than that, guys, let's hit them with it. Peace. See, see ya. See you later. <laughs> David said, "See ya." Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>